So let's do test. Test, test, test. Testies. Say more things. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to watch the witch of Orleans get burned at the stake. Oh, fuck you. Bullets <laughs> and booze. Yes. So. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a Mont. It's called Montucky uh, Cold Snack Lager. Pick it up for $9 at uh, Cask. It is pretty tasty. It is. And, you know, for $9, it's, it's even better. Was it, this guy knows me so well. Uh, was it, he came with, um, like, two four-packs of Old Rasputin. So he knows I'm a dirty Russian who likes a good, strong Imperial Stout. Meanwhile, I'm just drinking some good old-fashioned Merkin beer. Merkin. Merkin. There's nothing Merkin about this movie, though, that we're going to be watching. Yeah. Hey, what are we watching? We are watching, it's called The Messenger by Luc Besson. Yeah. About Joan of Arc. Um, Jean Le Pousseau, as it's called in French. Um, the Maid of Orléans. Or, as I like to refer to her, the Witch of Orléans. Oh, you know, you hurt me. You hurt me with that. You know what? I'm, I'm a British citizen. You know, I'm supposed to hate Joan of Arc. I suppose I get it. Uh, my family's from England, too, but my family is also from, like, Wales, so not a lot of, not a lot of throne love. Yeah. We're, you know, you're looking at a direct descendant of, you know, actual British royalty, so... You're looking at a direct descendant of Owen Glendower. You know what? There's a reason that we don't get on sometimes. Oh, that's true. Um, but yeah, we're, we are taking a little bit of a trip back in time. You know, about, uh, 500 years back in time? Mm-hmm. Um, so, directed by Luc Besson, uh, you said Mila Djokovic is in, plays Jean, uh, Jean Le Jean Le Pousset de Orléans. That's right. No, it's uh, this. It is uh, Mila Jovovich uh, okay. of Resident Evil fame, right? And Ultraviolet, and yes. just every every kick and ass movie. Yeah. Um, but yes, Joan of Arc, crazy French girl who thought she heard the voice of an angel. So. Uh, not just angels, saints. Oh yeah, a saint. You know, there was an archangel Michael. Um, Oh, the S- Archangel Warriors, yeah. yeah. Which, like, I mean, you, you gotta you gotta admit, like, if someone's gonna show up and it's like, I am hearing voices, and you're like, oh, really? What kind of voices? And it's like, no, no, it's the Archangel of War, and he's like, I got a plan. It's like, oh, shit. So, what we doing? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so this is about the Hundred Years' War. Tail end, uh, we're getting towards the tail end of the Hundred Years' War by Joan of Arc's time. Yeah, no, this is after this is after Henry V of England comes in. This is even... This is... Kicks major ass. Yeah. And even before him, you get Edward the Black Prince. Oh, yeah. Who, God, just destroyed the French army. Yeah, no, we should never forget about Edward the Black Prince. Who also makes an appearance in Night's Tale. Yeah, he does. Uh, played by James Purfrey. Yeah. And, uh, randomly, another um, another alumni uh, from Resident Evil. Huh. But yeah. Um, yeah, so background, we're going to, yeah, like last time, we're going to do the historical back, condensed historical background of the Hundred Years' War. It's it's a messy and complicated war. Look, we're going to give you the Hundred and Fifty Years' War in 150 seconds. So basically, Edward III was like, yo, I deserve the cre- um who was the great grandfather of Henry V? Was like, yo, I deserve the French throne, and they're like, 
why it's like my mother was the daughter of the ex the last king of france and it's like haha that's not how inheritance laws work he's like damn it i'm gonna try to take it anyways though yeah and so he comes in uh to france um you know the french king eventually meets him on the battle which i showed you was the battle of cressy which to put it mildly was a massacre yeah basically english longbow op please nerf um there's a video that you can actually watch where i think there's yeah they show the longbow firing against chainmail with a bodkin tip arrow the arrow almost went clean through the went clean through mail it's it's absolutely terrifying and you know the longbow it had a draw weight of about i want to say 100 pounds which is an immense amount of strength to pull back no those longbowmen must have been jacked Mm. Just like... On one side. Oh, yeah. On one side. <laughs> oh, my God. It's... The guy skipped other arm day. No, but, like, you... I mean, you couldn't physically pull it back with your arms, so what they did is they would actually lean down with their body <laughs> and then fire the arrow. <laughs> yeah. Y'all didn't see this, but he just laid down in this, like, my body is ready pose <laughs> to do it. It looked... It was the most sensuous thing. My longbow was ready. Your longbow was ready. Uh, and it cut down... Just thousands of French knights, and not just French knights. Aren't these like the guys? Like these are the the upper crusty. Oh yeah, like nobody did chivalric medieval noble knights quite like the French did. They were super into it. Oh my god, like the English no, but like the English knights were actually fairly egalitarian. Like for most of the time, they would actually dismount and fight alongside the foot soldiers in battle because they're like. Why would we want to harm our horses? Like, shit's expensive, yo. <laughs> and the French are like, eh, just put it on my credit card. <laughs> put it on my Capital One. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I, you know, it's like the little, you know, you know this from the last movie that yeah. we watched together. The dirty socialist in me is like, oh, yeah, it's because you got rich people fucking calling these shots. You should let a peasant girl decide some shit. And they do, and it's awesome. But, but that's later. But. The guys who were calling the shots for the English were also, well, they were the king and crown prince of, uh... They were. It was just slightly more equal because of the Magna Carta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they did have constitutionalism, so... They had a parliament, they had... But not... wasn't as constitutional yet. That that comes, like, 300 years later. Yeah, no, it's... It, the Glorious Revolution! The, that was a great document if you were one of, like, 50 people. Uh, actually, I'd say, like, maybe... A thousand? A thousand people? Yeah. Is that how many people it helps? Well, because it would help um, landowners, minor lords, counts, dukes. Um, so, which is, minor lords makes up a fair amount of British population, so. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so, Cressy comes, they just wipe the floor with the French. Like, it's it's not even funny. I think it's like, yeah, it was like, when I showed you, it was like, 150 to 300 English casualties for, for like, you know, 1,000 to three to like, like 1,500 um, French casualties. Like it's a massacre, basically. Um, and then you know, Edward III goes back. This is the only battle that he fights in the Hundred Years' War. Personally, um, the second time it's his son, the Black Prince, that comes back, and he's like, "I'm gonna just burn shit," mm -hmm. and. You know, it's... He burns shit. He does. And the French king is like, oh, fine, I guess I have to do something now. Um, 
which is John the Second, or in French he's called Jean de Bon. Um, Jean the Beau. Oh, John, John the Good. John the John the Dude. Yeah. Um, and he goes out and they meet at the field of Poitiers. Um, yes, I know I'm saying everything with a French accent. It's it's I can't help it. Dude, when, no, keep going. Um, speak, but yeah. speak French. Speak to me like one of your French girls. <laughs> but yeah, they meet at the field of Poitiers. Um, and it's basically second verse, same as the first for the battle. Like, the French get absolutely shredded. Um, they send out, like, three cavalry charges. They send out the first one, and it's like, I've got a great idea. Oh, bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. <laughs> they send out the second one. I've got another great... I've got a better idea. Oh, it's the same idea, same, same idea. Same idea. Same. <laughs> and then the English charge them. And they end up capturing the French king. Ah. They end up capturing John II of France... So the French are like, mailed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the English are just like, oh, bollocks, we captured the king, did we? <laughs> um, That's, um, I should say we're in a good position. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that goes on for a, eh, a few years. Uh, you know, things calm down because, you know, the Black Death tends to do that with warfare. Yeah. Although, actually... I mean, that doesn't just calm it down. Uh, Edward the Black Prince's premature death also calms things yeah. down a bit. He died literally like a year before his father. Yeah. So no, and that was that was just a deal where like the the throne was left without a successor, well, except for Richard the Second. Yes, who's one of my personal favorite bad kings. He was. This is why you don't put teenagers in charge of thrones. He was. He was younger than a teenager when he got that shit. Was he, like, 12 or something? I want to say he was, like, 9. Jesus Christ. No, and a lot of people were, like, super into this kid. Because, like, you know, his dad was... His dad was Edward the Black Prince, so... Who was, like, the... Like, basically he was the pinnacle of English You know, and they were like, this dude must be the dude. He wasn't... He wasn't a warrior like his father. Well, no, but here's the thing. He was a good cultural... He... he, Well, no, and here, let me do my spiel. Because it's, like, I actually, like... We've randomly hit on a part of the Hundred Years' War that I know a bunch about. Yeah. But no, this is the thing about Edward, uh, Richard II, is uh, he, from a very young age, he had a lot of shit foisted on him. God. And he actually managed to put down a peasant, rebe- a peasant revolt very easy. He went out and he spoke to the rebels very, like, kindly, and everyone's like, oh my god, this kid is just, like, the best. He is going to be the best thing ever. And then he proceeded to not be the best thing ever. Surprise Pikachu face. No, exactly. He what was it. I think he married. He married a French wife. Of uh, course. Um, yeah. No. He had like he started a, a bunch of you know a lot of people would call them illegal wars in Ireland. Um, As you do when you're the English. He had his uncle who was the, the oh Duke. John of Gaunt. Yeah, no, well, he had a few, he had a few, fu- he had a lot of fucking uncles, and this is a problem that sort of persists in English history, is too many sons. But John of Gaunt was the big one, I know. No, he's the big guy. He was the regent while Richard was on, well, while Richard was still a kid. Yeah. So he was the dude, and it was his dad's brother. Yeah. And his, his dad, his, his other dad's brother was also the Duke of Clarence. Yes. Um. He doesn't really feature that much no there's a duke of gloucester it's a thing duke of the gloucester duke, with john the, of gaunt yes the, and the duke of gloucester and this is a deal the duke of gloucester like actually was active in a plot to kill richard and yeah. then richard killed him and everyone was like oh he's like such a tyrant what a like, twist <laughs> yeah no <it's, laughs> curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal but uh, yeah it's like john of god it's like plots to kill richard the second richard the second kills him for a surprise pikachu face yeah <laughs> 
No, and it's that's that's a random thing to me where it's like people talk shit about Richard like he didn't know what he was doing, and yeah. Richard didn't know a lot of what he was doing, but he killed he killed uh, the Duke of Gloucester before he had the chance to kill him. So that's not totally stupid. Yeah, I mean, also Richard II. That's when Geoffrey of Chaucer was writing. So he actually yeah. was the guy who brought English as the court language in England. Ironically, because yeah. like before that it was all French. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 we're going to use English here. <laughs> we speak English here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you speak English? Don't pas? <laughs> uh, no, no complaint. And then then you have Henry IV after Richard set too. Yes. Uh, Henry, who was um, John of Gaunt's eldest son. Oh, okay. And he was the uh, Henry Bolingbroke. Okay. I can't, I, yeah, I want to say he was the Duke of Bolingbroke, but I okay. feel like that was maybe a different title. But anyways, yeah. Um, who usurped the throne yeah. when when Richard was away doing his really shitty illegal war with Ireland? Um, Henry, who was banished, was like, "How about I just come back with a French army and take all your shit?" And he just came back and take all his shit. Nothing, you know. And the war by this point was kind of just there, like there wasn't really much happening. And then, you know, and then of course we get to the main main man, Henry V. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no. Let's let's talk real quick about this war, where it's like it's super chilled down in France because yeah. now England is fighting multiple civil wars. Mm. So you had this bullshit happen where, like, right after um, Henry IV usurps Richard, right, where now he's the king, mm-hmm. he has to put down two peasant rebellions, yes, and then dies planning to do a crusade, which which he which never ends up happening. Basically, during the Lancasters taking control from the Plantagenets and. Richard and Edward and Edward, they were Plantagenets. These yeah. were Lancasters, so they were the cousins. Yeah. Which, I mean, d- direct descendants, but they were the Dukes of Lancaster. It was yeah. that branch of the family. So, like, they start having all these other fucking ideas. And then Henry V, who's, I want to say in his, like, early 20s, right after Richard or Henry IV yes. dies. Yeah. And he is like, what about this fucking war that we left unfinished? And they're like, oh, okay, if you want to do that... That's cool. And so he proceeds to go to France. Uh, by this time, England has captured Calais, which mm. is in mainland France, yes. which they would hold until, I want to say, Mary the First. Uh, they would hold for a so while. So they, they'd hold it for a minute. Oh, yeah. They held it for like 200 years or so. Um, then, um, so they land in Calais. Henry then proceeds to besiege the town of Harfleur, mm-hmm. um, which he takes. Um, yeah, he does. And then he's retreating back, or he, he goes up to the coast, and then he's retreating back to Calais. He's like, all right, fine. Everyone's getting dysentery in my army. I guess we have to go back. <laughs> um, so he's marching back to Calais, and the French stop him at Agincourt. And then Henry V just goes, you, you activated my trap card. <laughs> and if you thought the Battle of Poitiers was bad, oh, Lord, that Battle of Agincourt was terrible no and it's it's one of my favorite things where we're gonna we're gonna talk about um kenneth branagh as henry the fifth mm-hmm. which is it, interestingly i it's the it's the perverse dark side of the movie we're gonna yeah. watch we're yeah. watching tonight um because it's like what if the english were super right um and no in in basically though in that story it's um the battle the like winning the battle of agincourt yeah. is like a miracle and they're like oh man god is like totally on our side that's what shakespeare wrote well, but what a- actually happened was the English bought, brought longbowmen. 
And also, fight. mud also happened, because it rained the night before the battle. Yeah, so it was actually just the perfect slurry to massacre even more French people. But it was on a saint's day. It was on St. Crispin's Day. It was. So, I mean, it makes sense why I think, you know, God loved them, being Catholics and all, and it's like, hey, it's on a feast day, you know, we're doing this, and it's like, hey, you know, God provided us the mud and all this kind of stuff. No, you, you kind of had to look at it that way. You yeah. had to, and also it was important for, like, the people to see that, you know, God was on your side. Yeah. Or it's like, no, why else would it rain? Deus vault infidel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this happens. Henry V, he places his infant son on the throne of France, Henry VI. Yeah. And then proceeds to kick... Horrible idea. Which, and then he proceeds to kick the bucket, like, three years after the Battle of Agincourt. No, he, like, this is a thing that I love about Henry V, is he reminds me of that replicant from fucking Blade Runner, the one who, like, barges into his maker's office, and and he's like, I want more life, and the guy's just like, the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long, and you have burned very, very bright. Well, it's basically like, he's like a scaled-down version of Alexander the Great, basically. Yeah. It's like, he comes in, kicks a bunch of ass, and he's like, I, right, I'm done. Peace. Yeah. Um, so yeah, places his infant son Henry the Sixth on the throne of France, um, and this is around the time that Joan of Arc starts to come into the picture. Yeah. Well, no, it's a little after. First, a little the, after. You know, so first of the things that happen after Henry the Sixth comes on the throne, yeah. um, he marries. I want to say he marries another he, French woman. No, he marries Margaret. Margaret. Margaret of Anjou. Yeah, he marries Margaret of Anjou, which is, like, bad move. Because she was awful. She kind of was. Like, yeah. I mean, she was great, like, yeah. in her... Like, I, it's sort of like Queen Cersei. Like, yeah. I like her. <laughs> yeah, but you kind of don't. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, oh, you're kind of horrible. So, he marries Margaret of Anjou, and then, uh, after leaving too much of his responsibilities to advisors, also then starts to go a little crazy. Yeah, he had a severe problem with mental illness. Like, he would just have nervous breakdowns at random times. No, it was kind of the worst case scenario where, like, this very strong centralized, like, authority in Henry V conquers half of France and then leaves it to his kid, who is a very fractured person. Like, there's a, it, there's it, a YouTube channel that I would highly recommend. It's called uh, Feature History, and he does a great thing on the War of the Roses. Yeah? And basically it's just, like, how much of a shit show Henry the Six is, dude. He was like, he was not good for fucking anyone. No, this is and why. This is like why. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you had like the Earl of Warwick. Yeah. Um, who was like, I'm gonna play this side. No, I'm gonna play this side. No, eventually um, he would just be straight usurped by the Yorks, like yeah. the the other version of oh, the family. Oh, Richard the Third. And they, they and then they just complete. Or first there's Edward. Oh, yeah. But yeah, then eventually there's Richard. Yeah, Edward which the is Fourth, awesome. and then Richard the Third. Yes. Um. And then Henry, and then we get and a, the and a couple of piss ass, piss, piss ass little, little princes in the middle who no one cares because Richard killed them. Supposedly, I, supposedly, actually, Richard probably didn't do it, yeah. but we just all think so because yeah. Shakespeare wrote that. Um, but then, yeah, and then Henry the Seventh comes along, and then we get the Tudors, hooray! And then, and then Henry the Eighth comes along, and he's like, "I'm gonna start my own church with blackjack and hookers," and he did. He did. No, but uh, so going back real quick, so. Yeah. Um, you know, it, after, and this is during the time of Joan of Arc, it right. was Henry VI's army that was in France. It right. was Henry VI's army that was repelled completely. Yeah. And then they didn't really come back. 
Well, they yeah, they never really came back because the York they they had to fight a war with the Yorks, and then after the Yorks took yeah. over, they didn't really give a shit yeah. about taking France back. Because it's like, hey, we're kind of fixing our own country. Please, France, can you hold on a second? That awkward moment where you're not going to invade France because you're kind of sick of your forever war and need to fix your country. <laughs> um. And I, it's not, and you know what, before anyone call, calls me out for calling it a forever war, it's called the Hundred Years War. Even though it lasted 117 years long. Jesus! Yeah. That is way too long for any war to last. I mean, I'm saying that as an American. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't, like, totally the just, like, constant warfare. It was like, alright, we have our warfare, then we'll stop for, like, 20 years, and then... We'll go farm for a minute, I guess. And then also then, Black oh. Death. And then also Black Death, hooray! <laughs> the game's been called on account of plague. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, well, the other reason why the French won is they were better adopters of gunpowder than the English. The English were like, our longbows are good enough, and then the French roll out with cannons, and it's like... Oh. Fuck. Okay. Um, Which is actually really smart on the French part, because yeah. they were sidelined the first time by the whole longbow thing. So they're yeah. like... How do we compete with longbows? Cannons. Cannons! <laughs> this is like, no, it just reminds me of the end of Batman Begins, where it's like, it's escalation. You start wearing, you know, uh, you start wearing body armor, they buy armor-piercing rounds. And it's like, yeah, you bring a longbow, the French made a cannon. Yeah. Uh, What's well, like the, also from the where movie, we live now. The Untouchables, where it's like, you know, he touches one of your guys, or you said, you know. He touches one of your guys, you send one of him guys to the hospital. They send one of your guys to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. Yeah. Basically, that was like the Hundred Years' War, in a nutshell. Um, and actually, the English the English would have a tradition up until, I want to say, the middle of the 16th century, where it was actually required on Sunday after church to practice longbow. All, citizens had, all male citizens had to do it. That's actually kind of cute. But it's like, hey, we just have a ready population of, like, soldiers, basically. I mean, honestly, it's kind of useful. I, yeah. would, I would feel a lot better in America if we had, like, arrows instead of guns. Honestly? But, like, if that would be a thing where it's just like, hey, you know what, here's gun control, but, like, you can have as many bows and arrows as you want. Honestly, I'd actually be down where it's like, hey, we're gonna have gun control, you get government-issued weapons, and you have to practice every, like, Sunday, basically. We're just a nation of Katniss Everdeens, like... No, not, not air, bows and arrows. I'm talking about, like, here's your, like, you know, bolt-action rifle. Your, like, 30-odd-6 rifle. You have to practice, every, like, once a week. No, you know what? Even though I am a dirty liberal, there's... I actually... I understand that we live in a country where no one will, where no one will ever be rid of guns. That's mm. just a thing. Like, this is America. There's gonna be guns here. I mean... But, no, the idea of mandatory training every Sunday with a firearm, I feel like a lot... A lot less problems would occur. Yeah. If everyone was properly trained on the goddamn thing. And then it's also like, you know, if we ever go into like a World War Two style war, it's like, oh shit, we don't have to do basic training for firearms or any of this shit. Alright, everyone's cool. Yeah. Although, the calibers would be very different, because, you know, assault rifle calibers are very, very small compared to hunting rifle calibers. Was it? Uh, bringing it back. Yeah. So... This is, so, Henry VI's army is the one that Joan repels. Yes. And I believe it's headed by a guy named Talbot on the English side? Yes. I want to say, um, but she's commanding the army headed by the, um, under the, oh, 
the figurehead is the Dauphin of France. Yes. Um, Charles those, Valois. Charles Valois. For those who don't know, the Dauphin is the crown prince of France. No, it's like the... Prince Span of Wales. Yeah, no, it's the Span it's the French prince of Wales. It's the French version of the Spanish Infanta or Infanto. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it's, it's your crown prince. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know... So, Wait, is, so, this the, is this the same Charles that believed that he was made of glass? No, I think that was a later Charles. Okay. I the hope, French have. I hope to God it's a later Charles because God sent Joan to this dude, and was like, "This is the dude," and he's just like, "If you hug me, I'll break." Yeah, we talked a lot about the English monarchs. The French had their own shit show going on, which Henry the Sixth. Oh, that's kind of weird thinking. Like, if if it was if he was crazy and was the guy who thought he was glass, the fact that Henry the Sixth was on the throne of England at that time. I think... It's just crazy people running shit. I think they were contemporaries, I want to say. I'm. We have to look this up right now. I gotta know if it's true. Um, but... The French had way too many goddamn Charles... Well, actually, no. They had way too many goddamn Louis. Yeah. It was, yeah, 16 Louis. They went through 16 goddamn Louis. It was Three their, in a row, actually. The, their version of too many cooks. They finally just killed a Louis and, like... Get a Napoleon. <laughs> I don't know anyone named Napoleon. Get us a Napoleon. Je suis Napoleon. <laughs> Fine. There, that guy. <laughs> I, I can't see him. He's too short. He's hiding in the crowd somewhere. Qu'est-ce que c'est? <laughs> That's British propaganda and you know it. Napoleon was 5'9". That was an average height. 5'7". Was he 5'7"? Which is also average That's height. still pretty average. Why do people say he's short? Well, because the French measurement system said he was 5'4". Oh. So that's why the thing came from... Because the British were like, oh, he's only 5'4", and the French were like, well, he's a different measurement system, damn it. Shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, the French... The French definitely had their own quirks going on during this whole thing. They had some good They had some good kings, you know. Um, during this, you know, John II, Jean Le Bon, uh, fair king until he was captured. Um... He was also wounded, I want to say, at Cressy, too. Um, so it's like, you know, he go, comes back and sees the English, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, here we go again. So, yeah, the English the English were pioneers in battlefield tactics, and then the French were like, hmm, we need, some, we need some innovative shit, too. They're like, cannons? Cannons. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then by 1453, the last battle of the... Um, Hundred Years' War was uh, Castillon, um, which took place, you know, fourteen fifty three, which was also the first was also the year that um, Constantinople fell, which the Ottomans did not change to Istanbul when they captured it. It was not changed until no, after that the was actually super late that I found out where it was like what when was Istanbul uh, rechristened? It was after the Ottoman Empire actually fell. Yeah, so it was a minute. <laughs> yeah. Because so, the, um, well, in Greek it's called Constantinopoli. Um, which makes sense because it's, you know, it's Constantine City, so Constantinople. Um, yeah, and the, and the Ottomans were just like, eh, it's all right. Which also, also marks the actual death of the Roman Empire. Before people say the Byzantines actually called themselves Romans. It is not historical fallacy when people say oh the roman empire fell at 476 it's like well 
<laughs> no, that's a, that's a thing that I find interesting. Where it's like, I agree if you just call yourself Roman, everything's Roman. But real talk, pe- people were always referring to Constantinople as and the, the Byzantine Empire. Empire as the Roman Empire. Yeah, they considered themselves that. Yeah, I mean, because they were the Eastern Roman Empire. No, they were all part. They they were all part of the same political yeah. uh, apparatus. Yeah. I mean, they also, but they also had a different religion from the Western half of the Roman Empire because Greek Orthodoxy. Yeah. With their priests going with beards and being able to marry. And here I am, a dirty fucking papist, where it's yeah. like, it's all about staying in Rome, where you have to fight vandals. You keep getting invaded. Could you just send us some money? We have a pope, you know. Pope. I'm sorry, our pope was just removed and replaced by another pope. <laughs> Ah, shit. Oh, also, we forgot to mention, at this time, there were also two fucking popes during the Hundred Years' War. Ah! You had the Pope okay, in Avignon wait. and the Pope in Rome. No, you have to go more on this, because... No, this is... And by the way, I was just researching. Um, yeah. Charles Valois did not go crazy. This okay, was so it wasn't Charles. the crazy Charles. Okay. No, this was the on-it Charles. Okay, cool. But, Good. okay, so, while we got Joan on trial, we got two popes? Um, I want to say yes. Is that the tail end of this? But a... Throughout the Hundred Years' War, you had two popes. You had one in Avignon and one in Rome. Um, a pope and an anti-pope, but it depends on who you ask, which is the other. Yes, because France supported the one in Avignon. Uh, Naturally. And the English supported the one that wasn't in France, because they're like, we don't want to support a dirty French pope. Yeah. Um, no, and it was the plague that pushed the pope, the papacy out, right? No. Uh, this happened well before the plague. Okay. Uh, so basically the story about this is basically the... Um, the uh one of the pope at the time, the only pope, was literally kidnapped by the French king at the time and tortured to death, which is a big no-no. You know, I'm not a Catholic. I was never raised Catholic, but if I was a king, I'd be like, I can't torture a pope to death. That's like, are you crazy? <laughs> it's PR suicide. <laughs> yeah. Um. So literally, he then takes the Pope and he's like, hey. And the French Cardinal's like, okay, we're going to appoint a French Pope. And they move the court to Avignon. And he stays there for a while and it's like, okay, this is cool. You know. And I've been to Avignon. Beautiful city. It's a beautiful city. Um, also makes a very good wine. Uh, called Chateau de Pope. Which literally means House of the Pope. That's in French. adorable. Because um, Pope literally comes from father. And yeah. Greek. And potato. Really? No, it just depends where you put the inflection, but uh, papa is still a potato. Oh, yeah. Well, that's Spanish. Chateau de Pop is French. <laughs> so, um, which I've had that wine. It's actually a very good red wine. Um, and so, but then eventually the people in Rome are like, yo, we're the papal states. We're supposed to be governed by the Pope. And they're like, I don't know if you forgot, but we have St. Peter's body here. <laughs> Yeah. Did you want to come back, maybe? Yeah, so, the... You're the Bishop of Rome, for fuck's sake! <laughs> it's, yeah. And so, the, att- like, the non-French people are like, alright, we're gonna bring the Pope back to Rome. And the French people are like, well, our Pope's still here. And so you get two Popes at the same time. Pope-bye! You've seen that, you've seen that overly sarcastic production. It's amazing, I love Pope bites. It's... God, there were so... Medieval Catholicism was a clusterfuck. 
Yeah. This is and this is why this is like Martin Luther was just like, this is why I started Protestantism. God damn it. And then that got weird. Oh God. There were also Anabaptists. No one ever talks about them. <laughs> Which are now Amish. I'm gonna say. Or Mennonites. Mennonites. Yeah, Mennonites. Uh, <laughs> which, they're, they're weird. They're like, no violence. Yeah, they're, they're a weird sect. Man, uh, humans never throw anything away, do they? No. Uh, we will be fighting over this but shit then for years. Eventually, by, I think I want to say the late 1400s, the Catholic Church was like, alright, we're settling this shit once and for fucking all. <laughs> and so they get it. They get. Oh, also, around, the, around this time. A third pope gets coronated. No. <laughs> and so eventually... Too many popes. And then eventually the Catholic Church is like, alright, we're calling the Council of Trent. And so they're like, alright, you're excommunicated, you're no longer pope, the fuck are you even doing here, third pope? <laughs> <laughs> alright, you're all cancelled, we're appointing a new pope. And they did. He and lives in Rome. He lives in Rome. <laughs> We're done. We're done with this shit. And they appointed the Pope, Pope Sylvester. Fuck for fuck a tad. Yeah. Um, and everything's chill. And then Martin Luther comes on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, the Catholic Church was also having a total debacle while the English and French were punching up. And this whole time, we have like this woman who ends up being burned at the stake, who is burned at the stake by church officials and civil officials in France yeah. and Burgundy and England as a witch. And then later, the same person being canonized in 1920 as yeah. a saint. I think burned, I... burned as a witch, elevated to a saint. Yeah, 200 years after her burning... The church was like, no, this was fucking terrible. Like, what fucking tri trial was this? And they were like, it was the trial that we had where you were fighting about who was Pope. Oh. And it's, oh, right. That was a really dark time for us. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> First rule of Pope fight, we don't talk about Pope fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, she gets eventually mart transformed into a martyr, I think, like, 1600s, I want to say. I wouldn't say transformed. I'd say she was already a martyr. <laughs> but the Catholic Church no, the, recognized the PR, her. The PR swung from... Well, well, also, this is like 16... This is like early 1600s, so England has already broken away from the Catholic Church. So they're like, yeah, they're, are we fucking yeah. safe? Okay, we're safe. <laughs> well, no, they're not quite there yet. Because yeah. they... Yeah, no. Also, England had this really weird relationship with the Church for a while. Anglicanism is like catholic light it is but it, it also didn't happen as a church until well after well this is like so this is post elizabethan so honestly too so this is well no the no joan of arc is not post elizabethan well no but i'm talking about like when she was yeah pronounced a martyr by the catholic oh church. no that's way later this is like and it's also like it's not really just about that she's also pronounced the saint because 19 or 19 yeah, no, she's pronounced Saint 1920 because in 1919, like, World War One ended. Yeah. And she was, without a doubt, like, her icon was sort of a rallying point for the French. And her right. story, her story of fighting off a foreign invader yeah. resonated very, very much with the population at that time. Uh, I th there was a um, French phrase that they used at the Battle of Verdun, which was, uh, they shall not pass. I don't know how to say it, in, I don't remember how to say it in French, but, yeah. It was bit and Verdun was basically oh god it was a meat grinder. Necessitin pipe. Uh, <laughs> no, that's but, a joke. I just said this is not a pipe. 
I want to say it's like je ne uh, or je ne passeront. Um, I don't know exactly because um, I know for the Spanish, like the Republicans during the Civil War, they said no pasaran. Her to say like, oh, they shall not pass. Talking about how the Nationalists won't take Madrid. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert: they did. What? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into this movie. That's just a little bit of the historical background. Research the Hundred Years' War on your own time. It's kind of just a magnificent shit show about everything. No, you can ha- you can spend hours of fucking joy researching I've, this war. I've spent... If you're the kind of person who has joy researching. I've spent literally years of my life re- like studying about the Hundred Years' War, and it's... Before I bounced from grad school, like, the focus of what I was working on was the reigns of Richard II, Henry IV, and Henry V. And a little Henry VI. But, like, that... Right before Joan shows up, like, I did, like, a lot of research there. It's like, alright, Richard II, alright, it's it's good getting there. Henry IV, alright, we're we're climbing up there. Henry V, alright, we reached the peak. And then Henry VI just rock fucking bottom. Like, it was, it was bad. It was so bad. So bad, you guys. Oh, God. All this right. is why he's basically, I would say, I would consider him, like, the medieval George III in terms of, like, mental stability. No, that's actually, that's pretty fair, I think. Yeah. No, because he, no, he and George III definitely, it, if there is a club in the afterlife for Kings of England, they're definitely sitting at the same table together being ignored by literally everyone else. Although George III wasn't actually a bad king. We, we, as Ameri- we, we as Americans think that. But he wasn't actually that. I mean, I did have to read a whole list of grievances against him in school. And every time I read the Declaration of Independence. We, we don't hold let- these truths to be self-evident that all life, um, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creators with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There we go. God, I... How in the... I, I, this bump. I, I'm... Well, together... Also, I love your misspeak at the beginning where it's like, all life is created equal. I'm like, yes, given to the left. No. (laughs) No. You won't take my black powder musket from me, (laughs) goddammit. Oh, you can have that. Do you have any idea how long it takes to load? Uh, There, I've stabbed you. A trained soldier could fire about three to five of them a minute. But also, you forgot about the bayonet. That is true. Which is a 16-inch piece of cold steel, which was designed... The bayonet, the one flaw in my plan. Which was designed as a triangular uh, thing, so you couldn't actually stitch it up. So... Sorry, not sorry. Also, don't let anyone confiscate your weapons. The British tried to do that in 1775, and it went amazingly for them. That's not true. You should totally let someone confiscate your weapons. No. No, some people don't. Some people shouldn't have weapons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you fucking kidding me right oh, yeah. now? No. no. I mean, some people shouldn't, but these were lawful, law-abiding citizens who had their weapons taken from them while paying taxes without being represented by their government. And starting wars without any permission from that government. French and Indian Well, but then the British kind of screwed them over with the French and Indian War because it's like, this is an Indian reserve. And the Americans were like, we literally just went to war to get this land for you. The fuck, bro? 
Well, no, it's, you know what, I, as much as I love English history, it's a problem with the English, and it's like, you know, you hire pirates on your seas, you send pirates to be your colonists, what do you expect to happen? They're going to fucking encroach on someone else's land, because yeah. the only thing that they've known from their government is that it's easier to fucking just half-acidly apologize after you've taken someone else's shit. Yeah. But it's also like, it's kind of a dick And move. then we learned from them, and we did it to them, and they didn't like it. The British are basically like, why are you doing this? I learned this by watching you, goddammit. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the English the English are not great at honoring deals. Uh, random thing about Joan of Arc in America. Um, I don't know if you know this, but her statue's in a few places. Hmm. Um, it's a thing because I'm a fan. I notice it whenever I'm around. Um, here in the Bay Area, in the, er, in the Palace of Fine Arts, hmm. they have two sculptures outside of the Palace of Fine Arts as you enter, and they're both sitting on horses. It's a man and a woman. On one side is El Cid. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, and on the other side is Joan of Arc. So, Joan of Arc holding her banner. It's, like, really cool. Well, the funny thing is, El Cid was basically a filthy mercenary. Yeah. No, it's... It, I think, basically, they just like the sculpture. Yeah. The horse has a huge dick, though. It's noticeable. Like, when you're walking up, where you're just like, I know I shouldn't be looking at or thinking about it, but that is a giant bronze dick. Yeah. So, Joan of Arc's horse is a girl, so you don't notice. Yeah. Uh, most... I think it was, like, most of the time... Um, most horses I want to say used by medieval knights actually were female, because mm. they did have a much calmer demeanor than male horses. So, so Al Cid would actually would would be riding a female horse as well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm assuming that they just added the huge horse dick for like honest like phallic reasons, where they're like, no, don't you want to like you know even his horse has a huge dick because. El Cid has big dick energy. He does. You yeah. know? His name is El Cid. Like, that's... Which it comes from Arabic, which really just means the Lord. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's such a tight name. Um, now, also, Joan of Arc's statue, this is another one of my favorite places I found it, is um, right outside uh, the uh, Basilica in New Orleans. Huh. New oh, Orleans, makes Louisiana. Sense. Yeah, so makes they, sense. Have, they have two fucking statues. It's, uh, it's King... Uh, Louis... Yeah, King Louis. The 14th, I want to say. No, he, he was the Crusader Louis. Oh, St. Louis. Yeah, no, he was St. Louis. So it was okay. King Louis the Saint, and then Joan of Arc is the other okay. one. And it's like, I get why you're here. Well, it's also, well, the reason it's named New Orleans is because it was named after the Duke of Orleans. Yeah, you know, the, the, the fucking place where um, Joan defended. Which, Duke of Orleans is usually a title given to the second son of the French king. So you had the... So that was kind of their Duke of York title. Yes, um, so you had the Dauphin, uh, the Duke of Orléans, um, the Duke of Lorraine, I want to say, was also a title usually given to sons. Um, usually the third son, um, those are the three that I can, but the two that are the most important are the Dauphin and the Duke of Orléans. Um, cause that's, yeah, the Duke of Orléans is basically, yeah, the Duke of York, basically. Um, so... But yeah, um, so yeah, we'll get into this movie in just a second, um, and we'll get back to you. This is, oh god, we've talked about this for over 40 minutes about the Hundred Years' War. It is a hundred years. Yeah, it's... We definitely didn't do the 140 seconds, or the 140 seconds like we were yeah, gonna... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... I mean, you can, it's a huge war. Yeah. That was false advertising to start with, and I apologize. <laughs> it's, yeah. 
I mean, but we did keep it under 150 minutes. See? All right. That little victories. Yeah. See, this is how you win 100 Years War. Yeah. Little victories. Yeah. So, we will be back in just a second after watching this movie for a little bit. Bye. All right. So, after the background, we finally got into the movie. Um, it's pretty good so far. Yeah. Honestly, I like it. Like, the historical costumes are very accurate. No, you brought this up where the, the English longbowmen were wearing... Gamesons, yes, yeah. which are basically, it's like thick padded cloth um, for knights and people of rank, it would be worn um, under the armor. Because, believe it or not, you know, if you wear plate armor or any, or chainmail over it, um, over just like regular clothes, it doesn't really do much. So you need like some form of protection underneath. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, no, because it's I I've seen a lot of examples of armor that are perforated. Like yeah. like people have managed to put a hole in them. So it's like it's probably good to have a little extra layer under there. Yeah. Um, the helmets are very like most of the stuff is pretty much spot on from what I see. I'm like okay, like armor's correct, weapons are well except for Joan's weird sword that she gets. Like that's not really a thing. I'm like. Yeah, no. That also wasn't a thing, just in general. Yeah. Um, but, and then the weird haircuts are definitely spot on. Oh, no, it's like, it's really crazy. When she finally gets to the court of Charles Valois. Yeah. Like, if, uh, or soon to be Charles VII, he's got, like, the ridiculous, like, bowl cut. Yeah. Which, and, which was a thing even in Henry V's time. Yeah, no, that, that ridiculous haircut never went away for yeah. a, a while. Long, quite a long time. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, if you watch, like, when we get to the Henry V movie, you see that same haircut. <laughs> no, and then I love so much where it's like, it, just when you're distracted by the badness of that haircut, then he walks into... His mother. His his mother-in-law, Faye Dunaway, who's, like, shaved off the whole, like, front part of her skull so that they could present the, the really weird high forehead that yeah. was, like, really hot in France at that time. So it was just, like, it, it reminds me of Battlefield Earth. Yeah. Like, the really weird Lady Cyclos from Battlefield Earth with, like, the super weird foreheads. Which, do you know where, what court that originated from? The Bur one? The Burgundian court. Oh, they're coming back in the story, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Burgundian court at that time was kind of, like, the place of, like, art and culture and, like, music and fashion. So it was like, oh, the Burgundians are doing this, so we gotta fucking do this now. Yeah. Um... No, it was it random thing about bad guys we were talking about where it's like you were you were insulted by this movie as an Englishman. Yes, yes. And I kind of understand because it's like the only English person you see in this movie immediately to start is um, he's a rapist and a murderer, but not in that order. Yeah. He he stabs Joan of Arc's sister, and then rapes the corpse, and then rapes the corpse, and then turns around to the deeds behind him and is like, "You want a piece of this?" Yeah. Or some gross shit. Yeah, and it's just like. That's cartoonishly evil. Yeah, it's just like, and then you, but then you look at, well, the English weren't necessarily good, but, you know, it's warfare in the middle, medieval period. Who is a good guy? I mean, we're at the end of a hundred years war. Yeah. So, also that dude had like the patchiest beard I've ever seen in my life. That dude, and he had like the gross teeth where it was like, it, it was just a caricature of evil that wandered into that room. Yeah. And which, I'm like, I get why you do it cinematically. Well, so this movie's made by a Frenchman, so what do you expect? You know, yeah, it's Luc Besson, you yeah. know, uh, Le Femme Nikita, the professional. Yeah. Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Ah, uh, yeah. 
Planet of a Thousand Suns, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Leon the Professional, yeah. But it's like, of course it's going to be kind of anti-English propaganda from a Frenchman. Yeah. But, um... A couple of other things that this movie got wrong, which, yeah. you know, being a fanboy of Joan... Yeah. Uh, so, like, her visions are presented in the movie very cinematically. It's yeah. like, there's a lot of, like, um, acceleration and fading of time. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of random imagery, and there's, like, this, this boy who is, like, like a boy king. Yeah. There's wolves, like, and it's, it's very... What happened with Joan was in... She wasn't in church when it happened. She was in her dad's garden when she was 13. Yeah. And she was visited by St. Michael, the Archangel, St. Catherine of Alexandria, not St. Right. Catherine of Siena. Yeah. St. Catherine of Alexandria and St. Margaret. Yeah. And they're like, you need to put this guy on the throne. It's it's murder. Charles Valois. It's murder time for the English, okay? Yeah, no, it's they, they, they kind of started, like, the, the vision showed up. They were very specific saints. They had kind of a plan. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... But, no, in this, the, in this, that's not how it works. Yeah. She, um, was it, she just grows up, rides straight to Charles Valois, which, in reality, she, she actually had to petition another... M- nobleman. Yeah, no, she had to, uh, pet- uh petition a guy named Baudricord. Yeah. Who had a, a whole other army so that she could be then taken from his place to Shinon. Yeah. Which is the second movie, this is the, uh, I love Shinon. Yeah. Mainly because that's where Henry II held his winter court, like, way back in the day. Yeah. Oh, the uh, father of Richard the Lionheart. That's right. Okay. Yeah, no, that's... It, it would, and if you ever get a chance to watch The Lion in Winter, you should. Oh, well, I mean, I've watched it before, but... Like, and I'm, I'm saying our listeners. Oh, they yeah. They gotta check oh, this God. fucking movie out. He has a knife, you have a knife, we all have knives, it's 1183, and we are barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 300 years earlier, but God damn it, it's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Richard Lionheart, also fantastic. He actually hated England. Like, the English love him as a yeah. king, but he was like, wow, England is cold, He's, damp, and... He spent fucking, as little fucking time there as possible. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Dave's fault real quick. Well, BRB. No, that's actually a weird thing, though, where it's like, I'm not saying that, like, you know, the English should have held the throne of France at all, yeah. but there there is actually precedent for a king of England being the king of France. Yeah. It had happened for a while. I mean... Literally, Richard's half brother was the king of France. Yeah, so it's not it's not so weird. Like this movie makes it look weird, where it's like this pool of red blood just in the infographic at the beginning just pours over from England. Oh yeah, and it's like that's actually not how the French would have seen it at that point. Yeah, the English aristocracy was just still related by treaty and marriage to their own aristocracy. Yeah, and they also spoke French at the time, so it's like. Which French-speaking asshole do you want to pay? Also, they show the infographic as Aquitaine being a part of France, and I'm like, how about no? Yeah, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> how about no? It's weird to try to explain to people the Aquitaine. It's very hard place to explain, but it's important, damn it, and it's weird. Also, Gascony being a part of France, which also wasn't a thing either. Yeah. Um, like, one of England's most famous commanders at the Battle of Poitiers was a Gascon. Really? Yeah. So a Frenchman was one of um, England's most famous commanders at the Battle of uh, Poitiers. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff where I'm just like, okay, okay, yeah. 
yeah, the English were all totally evil and never did anything cool. Okay, thanks. Way to demonize my people. <laughs> yeah, it's my people too, but, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't mind rebelling against my people when they do some bullshit. You were Welsh traitors. We were. So. <laughs> Rebel scum and damn proud of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm actually related to English royalty, so. I'm like, oh, that's cute. We totally tried to kick you off. It didn't work, though, so we can be friends, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is also, like, what, like, 500 years ago? Our families both ended up in America, and we're besties now, so, like, yeah. what does it matter? <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the whole beginning of this movie is, it's very weird. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, they definitely lean into the fucking drama of it really hard, which, yeah. like, I understand because you you need to care about her and, like, her struggle. You need to see, like, freeing France as being a thing that's necessary. Yeah. Um, oh, and, we forgot to mention the Hail Satan guy. Oh, God! Yes! <laughs> no, this movie, and it's it, it's a thing. I saw this in theaters, and I own this DVD, so it's like, I know how this goes. They don't bring this up, but one of the dudes who's in Charles Court, and also one of the dudes who is super alongside Joan for the rest of her life, yeah. is Gilles de Ray, the Field Marshal of France, executed by the church for fucking witchcraft, pedophilia, and like human sacrifice the church was like saw the pedophilia it's like whoa, whoa, whoa 500 years too soon my guy yeah no it's <sighs> it and here's the thing where it's like that's you, our thing okay the, and here's the thing the charges against Gilles de Ray, like he was he was accused initially for setting impious hands on a priest so a priest came to his house and he killed him yeah and then after that there was a whole trial that was brought up and people will still debate how real or unreal these charges are of children going missing from the area so that he could sacrifice them and fuck the corpses. Yeah, he was he was he confessed to being a serial killer of children. He confessed under torture. But a lot of people still. confessed to shit under torture. But still, it's, it's like... still not good. <sighs> it's not it doesn't it doesn't look great. Yeah, he oh he killed them after he sodomized the children too. Yeah. Also, yeah, no, yeah, confess uh, that. But like, uh, let's put let's put that let's put a big tack in that because people confess to shit under torture that they didn't do. But the thing is, his body servant was the one who first testified against him. You can pay a dude. Still though, this is like a guy who like served with him all of his life and was like, yeah, he kind of fucked children. Look, I'm not saying he's a great dude, or that he didn't do this shit. No, but that's that's the thing that's. Uh, there's there's a lot more stuff about this that I'm not gonna read because it's actually fucking no, disturbing. There's if you want to find out about Gilles de Ray on your own time, yeah. by all means, he was a fucking monster. Yeah, yeah, it's it's oh god, oh. I'm 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 a little I need I need to like bathe myself in bleach after watching after reading the stuff about Gilles de Ray. Yeah, no, he's, um, but he's, he's played by Vincent Cassiel in the film, and he's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. he's not Satanist at all in the movie, although just watching it now, knowing that about him, I'm just like, how, is there a ritual you're doing somewhere right now that you're late for? Yeah. Is there, is there, like, some young children that you should be sodomizing and then killing afterwards? Oh, is that a bath, is that a, a blood, a, a bath filled with blood? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, so the numbers are generally placed between 80 and 200 children. And this guy rode alongside Joan of Arc. Yeah. The victims range from the age of 6 to 18, predominantly boys. No, and this is the thing about Joan of Arc that I find utterly fascinating, is that, you know, and it could be the, it, you know, real talk, it could be just this propaganda thing. Yeah. It could just be a thing where, yeah, he was very prominent, he fought alongside the Liberating Army, so let's make him look like the biggest Satanist asshole after his death, yeah. and we'll torture him until we get the answers we want. Or, Gilles de Ray was actually a monster. Either way, I'm utterly fascinated by the fact that Joan was accused of being a witch, and was burned at the stake for it, and was later canonized as a saint, and this dude finished out the war with no problem, and was executed for witchcraft. Actually, this... he was he was killed 13 years before the war's end. 13 years before? 1440. Was he still heading the army? Uh, you think? If the, ki- if the king was like, I'm, I'm gonna dismiss this dude real quick from the service. So it's still wartime. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong, but like, I'm kind of going on the side that G- Gilles was framed. Yeah. I mean... Like, if the war is still not over yet, you want to remove that guy. Like, I kind of get it. Yeah. It's also, like, kind of, like, from a PR standpoint, it's like, so who's the head of your army? Oh, a guy who, like, sodomized and murdered between 80 to 200 children. So who's the head of your army? (laughs) (laughs) Hoping to hear a different answer this time. (laughs) Not that dude. Tight. No, there's... It was it. So... Knowing that, I think it's really fascinating that yeah. there's that there's that sort of inherent tension mm. between the saint yeah. and the witch. I mean, there are disputes about it, particularly because the guy who conducted the trial on the secular side, the Duke of Brittany. Uh, oh, so another all, another impartial French fucking duke. But he got all of uh, Gilles de Rais, uh land after he died. Yeah, that kind of sounds fishy, don't it? Yeah. They they believe it was a, an ecclesiastic plot by the Catholic Church or an act of revenge by the uh, French state. But honestly, at this point, who can fucking tell? Yeah, he was... Talking the way we were talking about the dispute of the Pope being at Avignon, is, is there a difference between French and Catholic disputes at this point? Yeah. Um, I think by this point point i want to say the council of trent had already happened i don't know um yeah he was he was killed on the 26th of october 1440 um but he was a couple days before halloween he missed it i know three spooky five me (laughs) dude he would have loved halloween um but at least he was he wasn't burnt alive like joan he was uh uh hung until dead and then burned at the stake because he did, he did yeah. confess. Yeah, no, that's the one, was it? Joan confessed too, but it was different. She tried to tear up her confession. She was not about it. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, was it? She confessed, and then they're like, oh, look, she's cross-dressing again. So then they burned her without taking the confession. <laughs> oh, man, they really did her dirty. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Yeah, there, there, are, some, there are some questions, but... It seems... Oh, okay. Um, oh! A team of lawyers and writers 
presided by an actual French judge, found him not guilty. Really? Yeah. So they they did a retrial of Gilles de Ray yeah. un, uh, under modern French law and were like yeah. actually not guilty. Yeah. No child's corpse wow. was ever found in his castle. Dude. I mean, dude was probably just good at covering his tracks. I mean, he could have. You know what? It's yeah. it's so long ago, who knows? But honestly, I'm kind of on this other side. I'm on this other tip. Like, I'm kind of on the Gilles was framed. Actually, most historians believe that he is guilty, though. No, that's also fine. Yeah, most historians are like... he. And also, honestly, if I'm proved wrong, he's an asshole. Like, yeah. I'll go with it. Most historians, most credible historians are like, yeah, he was kind of a... He, he was kind of a dickhead. So. But he's Vincent Castile in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. You, oh, yeah, he was. Uh, he sought out individuals who knew alchemy and demon summoning. I mean, that just sounds like having a party. Yeah. That just sounds like a good time to me. So, yeah, he was. Oh. Uh, yeah, he tried to summon a demon, but no luck, and it basically bankrupted him. <laughs> so, way to fucking go, Gilles de Rai. So, another sterling example of this war of clusterfucks. <laughs> you got three fucking popes. Two insane like, kings. Two insane kings. Well, actually, no. No, because, no, is it? Because, uh... Charles Charles VII's dad was yeah. the crazy one. But now it's Henry VI. Now Henry VI is the crazy one. So yeah. you had a crazy French king, then you had a crazy English king. Yeah. So you got two crazy kings in a row, three fucking popes, <laughs> and a partridge in a fucking pear tree. <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden it's not really surprising that God decided to talk to some random chick in rural France. It's like... Look, I can't talk to anyone anymore. Help me. Basically, it's like, gosh, it's like, Michael, for the love of God, go down and sort this shit out. For the love of me, help me. For the love of all that is holy. He's like, dude, I got you. Do you mind if I take Margaret and Catherine? Catherine from Alexandria, not Sienna. Just find whatever... Figure this shit out for the love of me. <laughs> Fucking squad goals. All of the saints put on their sunglasses and head down. <laughs> me, me and the boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what? I want to put them all together and do like a fucking hashtag squad goals. <laughs> Get in, bitch. We're going to liberate France. <laughs> Meanwhile, the French stop trying to make longbow happen. Longbow <laughs> is never gonna happen. <laughs> longbow happens. Well, we make a cannon. Fuck. <laughs> or as the British say, ah, oh, bollocks. <laughs> Shall we continue? Yes. We will be right back after this message. Nailed. <laughs> Alright, so, last time we left off, um, Joan of Arc led the assault. What was the fortification name again? They called it the Tyrell. The Tyrell, yes. Um, so, she arrives in, she arrives in, uh, Orléans. Orléans. Uh, once again, without Baudricourt. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's just a character that was completely excised from this telling. Yeah. Poor Burgercourt. He's just like, bro, the fuck, man? It, no, he was like, he was seminal to like <laughs> making all of this shit happen, but it's like, it's, it's whatever. This movie's about Joan. Yeah. But she shows up and like, uh, 
I can't remember. Whatever the French commander's name was like. The French commander's name who is, uh, he was the bad guy in Kiss of the Dragon, and mm. if you saw him, you'd know him from a bunch of other movies, but... He's a very famous French actor. Yeah, no, he's really good, and he was, you know, so, but of course, like, everyone's like, uh, can she even ride a horse? And it's like, yeah, she totally can. Like, she shows up, like, riding hella battle style in full armor with long yeah. hair. And then, um, and they're like, okay, look... We get that you were sent here from God. How about you let the professionals deal with this shit? And she's like, no, you listen to me. And it's like, shh, God damn it, the crazy woman's at it again. Well, no, and this is a thing that I actually really dig about this movie, because another one of my favorite films is the, um, it's the, the Theodore Dreyer, mm. uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm which is a gorgeous black-and-white silent film that would have been lost to time except for the fact that someone found a copy of it in a French insane asylum. Nice. So that's a random save. Wait, a movie about a potentially crazy woman was found in an insane asylum? I feel, I, it sounds, I know it sounds like a fucking <laughs> press release where it's like, it's like, we just found this, and it's like, yeah, no, that's, it, it, it totally sounds like it's trying to, uh, it's it's trying it's it's a PR move it sounds yeah. like, but anyways they this movie though is is gorgeous. Um, yeah. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and it's actually just about the trial and execution of Joan. So right. you don't really get any flashbacks to the war. You yeah. just have her it, stoically answering all of her questions, and that one that movie takes a very definite like this woman is a saint. Like she's yeah. al- she's always like looking off camera like. Like, as if she's just, like, looking beyond the mortal plane, and she always has a very, like, wise answer. And then when she dies, like, she obviously feels, like, great sorrow, but she, she sort of, she, she conveys, like, a lot of very, like, strong, stoic emotion. Right. Mila Jovovich in this seems fucking crazy. She's a little mental in this. And I actually kind of like that, because, like, you know, this woman shows up and she claims that she hears voices, and that she's, like... She's dressing in men's clothes, and she's saying that she's going to kick the English out of France. So, like, there's... Yeah, why not? Why, like, you know, a lot of people did think that she was crazy. Yeah. A lot of people still think that she was crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, she's, like, she's got full-on crazy eyes. No, it kind of... it. This movie very much, like... I'm not saying that it's out of the question, that it's divine intervention, but it's also, I think, very much hedging on she could also be crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh yes, um, which you know what—that's that's another thing that I find. If she was crazy, I still think that that's cool that someone with a schizophrenia can still liberate half of France and lead an army. Yeah, you're you are not defined by your mental deep. You're not defined by your mental disabilities. Like, yes, you can work around them and do great things. Um, but yeah, so like the commander's like, all right, you know, we'll take care of this, and she's like, and then she just goes basically. Leroy Jenkins! And yeah. Just... Yeah, no, because they, they attack the Tyrell without her, and yeah. then she wakes up and she's like, oh, fuck this shit. She gets in she gets in her battle gear, she leads him back to the Tyrell, and then she jumps the embankment. Yes. And... Over over the Palisades, too. Yeah, and just is fucking, just kicking ass. Yeah. Um, she gets hit by an arrow. Yep, and they're like, oh my god, she's gonna die. And it's like, oh my god, she died! And then it's like, Nah, fam, she's asleep. She's yeah, she's asleep. <laughs> I love that the one the one French knight who keeps cursing around her. He's just like, here, take this charm bag, and she's like, I would rather die than use magic. You fucking idiot! I'm a saint. Yeah, and, and then he's like, Lord, if you save her, 
I'll never curse in my life. But I swear, if you don't, I'm gonna... And then she's just like, hey, language. <laughs> it's like, oh, sweet. Thanks, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then she, like, collapses, and they're like... They think that she's died again. Yeah. And she just starts... The doctor is like, dude, she's sleeping. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, tight. <laughs> but before she goes back under, she's just like, okay, you promise me you, ha you have to go back out to the battle. Yeah. Promise, promise me, then. <laughs> and then, um... But the battle is pretty fucking gruesome. Like, they have that spinning thing, and you just see, like, people's heads just, like, and it's like, oh. No, what were those oh. What were those siege engines that you that they used? Oh, where the it was trebuchet. Like, that was, yeah, where you dropped the ball in, right? Oh, no, that was something completely different. Oh, it was a murder hole. Um, the murder hole! The murder hole was usually used in defenses to pour hot oil through, so it's, so you have usually two gates on a medieval castle. So you have the outer gate and the inner gate. So if they broke through the outer gate... They still have the inner gate to worry about. And yeah, and that's even worse because you also have probably archers and shit on the second wall. So it's now you're just trapped. But they can't fire directly down because it's a solid wall above you. Yeah. But they have a grate, basically. So they would just get hot oil and just pour it through the grate and just horribly maim and kill whoever was in, quote unquote, the murder hole. That's why it's called the murder hole. Um, but that thing was weird where it's like they put like boulders and then it just like would be like, yeet, and then just like shoot out and just slam someone with a massive fucking boulder and she's yeah. like I don't think that was ever used in medieval times but Which, also I don't want to be this bitch but if I were a knight I wouldn't climb over those holes yeah I would stay away from those holes they don't look like good news I mean eventually they do say like hey can you like not be around those holes <laughs> and it's like French military brilliance yet again yeah <laughs> although to hey. be I do shit on the French but the French were actually, are actually very good warriors. You know, they helped Verdun in World War Two for God's sakes. Yeah. I mean, no, I like I fucking hate that shit that when people talk about, especially like Americans, would be like, oh, a French rifle never fired, dropped once. Like the whole joke I, about surrendering, despite the fact that the French were pretty hardcore partisans. Also, we had a world war before World War One. It was called the Napoleonic War, where the French controlled. Well, basically, the French were the first Nazis yeah. in that one. Not that, like, the Grand Armée was anything like the Nazis, but, like, I mean, yeah, it was about one autocratic ruler, or one dictatorial ruler taking all of Europe. It's funny, today, actually, I was talking with um, Jacob, and apparently, like, he has this paper that he's writing about, of, like, the president's power should be expanded, and it's like, I basically told him, do you want a Bonaparte? Because that's how you get a Bonaparte. <laughs> And also, it's basically, the president's power has been expanding since the 1930s. Yeah, the the office is completely different yeah. now than it the used founders, to be. The framers would basically be like, the fuck is this shit? That is a lot more than we said a president <laughs> can do, you guys. So wait, how long has it been since Congress actually declared war? Uh, about 75 years? Okay. How many times have you gone to war since those 70 years? A lot. Wait, what? <sighs> I don't understand. You're not supposed to. We did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then... But then they also capture the English trebuchet in that scene. Yeah. Which is... I've seen a trebuchet fire. It is one of the most awe-inspiring machines to ever see fire. So I could basically take a 300-kilogram uh, 300 stone, so about uh, 160 pounds, roughly. I don't know my metric, but... A 
kilogram stone and fire it 300 meters. So about 330 yards. So it's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that doesn't have to be anywhere near us to kill <laughs> us, does it? Um, it was basically the most powerful siege engine up until the advent of gunpowder. I love the way that the French got it in the movie, too, because it was like the English retreated and left it. Yeah. And there was that one French knight where he's like, this is mine. <laughs> and then later you see him, is like, load it up. Like, I'm in charge of the trebuchet. Which I'm like, hey, props to you, man. You got you got the big-ass trebuchet. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have that, you know, of course, you know, they, although I'm surprised to not actually see that many longbowmen in that movie. It's mainly, like, swordsmen and... On the English side, it's all men at arms, and I'm like, oh, well, that seems very implausible because yeah, that was what the that was the English bread and butter at that point. That's how they won most of France was their longbowmen. But also, that and their dismounted knights, because unlike the rest of continental Europe, English knights would actually dismount before going into combat, so they would actually fight alongside like the peasants and foot soldiers. That must be inspirational con as compared to the, the old French way of doing things. We'll just ride you down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, no. The French aristocracy was kind of terrible. Yeah. No, which is like, it's one of the things that I like about this story and why I really like the idea of Joan of Arc in general is because, like, yeah, even, and you know, if, we, if you don't know the story by the end, like, you know, I'm not, I'm trying not to spoil the movie, but I think we all know that Joan of Arc was abandoned. Yeah by the Dauphin, the king that she swore to have seated. And he essentially just, like, turned his back on her after she got captured. Uh, so, there's a... There, like, honestly, she was, like, probably the best person. Fun fun fact, Joan of Arc was actually burned on my brother's birthday. May 30th. Really? Yeah. May 30th, uh, I think, 14-whatever. Happy birthday? <laughs> I mean, I knew some uh, friends in... Um, high school their birthdays were both april 30th and whenever they saw each other they go happy hitler suicide day <laughs> that is a that should be a holiday hitler suicide day we should erect a statue to the man who killed hitler oh wait do you remember that joke where it was like hitler wasn't all that bad i mean he killed hitler <laughs> yeah i mean also volkswagen literally got it start as a pet project from hitler oh god so enjoy if you're listening to this in a Volkswagen. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't. Mean, I we didn't mean to cast aspersions on your car, but you're a collaborator, and you should know this. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. Now, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, also by this point, the English had gotten kind of soft. I want to say because they've had so many victories that they're just like, oh, well, we're unstoppable, and then. Joan of Arc just goes, surprise, bitch! And it's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, I didn't know the war was, like, still a war war. <laughs> fuck. Okay, fine, I guess. <sighs> Guys, we have to try again. God damn it. <laughs> I thought we were just occupying. No, no, we're actually fighting now. <sighs> Fucking Joan of Arc ruining the fun. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I mean... Mostly, that's most of what we watched last time, is just, like, the actual battle. Yeah. Oh, and then they're trying to actually, after they took the Tyrell, now they're actually trying to take the English fortifications. Yeah. The Brit, across the bridge. No, and I love that they, so, like, after she wakes up from that battle, like, it was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. There's that one, the one ginger British soldier who keeps, like, yelling shit at the French where he's like, yeah, your witch whore woman is dead. Go fuck yourself. 
I spit in your general direction. And then Joan gets up from her hospital bed and screams at the guy from the battlefield. And she's like, I feel sorry for you. Because we are about to fuck your shit up. And the look on that ginger's face. It's just like... She's not prepared for this. Yeah. No, we, we thought she died. And it's like, no, she's not dead. And then she's like, oh yeah, by the way, you know who's pissed at you? God. Ooh. <laughs> it's like, you know, the scene from Monty Python where it's like, the bring out your dead. It's like, not dead yet. <laughs> You will be. Why don't you just wait for a few minutes? I feel happy. <laughs> Knock. <laughs> or in Joan's case, burn. Aww. <laughs> so, burn, baby, burn. Witches inferno. <laughs> yeah. Although the church actually wasn't really big into witchcraft until like the 16th century. <laughs> it wasn't really its jam yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually like they, they up hadn't... until the later <laughs> periods, like you would actually be burned at the stake for accusing someone of witchcraft because it's like, oh. Also, the church doesn't put anyone to death. The secular state has to do that. Mm. Like that was a deal. The church can try you for sure. Nah. But it was never in the church's purview to kill someone, so nah. they just went ahead and let whatever sitting monarch or regent was there at the nah. time do that dirty work, which. Yeah, good on you. That's real. That's real fucking honest and manly of you, we'll the church. We'll torture you to the point of death, but we're gonna let someone else do it because we're we're the clergy. God, we're we're holy men. Oh my god, goodness. Ugh, <laughs> the what? barbarity. Oh no, and here's the thing too. Random thing about Joan of Arc that I find super interesting is like, if you were a woman in those days and you wanted to have any type of, if you were a spiritual and wanted to have any type of influence, you could go. You could join the nunnery. You could go into the nunnery. Get thee to a nunnery? Yeah, no, you could get thee to a nunnery, which, um... I mean, um... Like, it's tight. Abelard. It's tight for some people, yeah. Abelard was one of the most famous scholars of the Middle Ages, and she was a nun. That's true. Uh, Hildegard of Bankin is another great example of a very, like, you know, fucking church girl who, like, composed operas and was super smart and delivered wonderful homilies. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's not unheard of to like be a woman and excel in the church at this time yeah. but if you want to be a woman excel and excel religiously and lead an army that's not a thing that happened yeah and if you weren't a woman who was born into royalty and there were no other dude relatives to take that job from you there was no way you could do it so joan was as a spiritual person who had a very specific calling she found the right place yeah i mean it's the right like, friends it's like i'm gonna go kill the english they're fine tight you need an army yes please all right i got you fam <laughs> so no i mean yeah it's a very weird thing like in terms of like how you know how the feudal structure worked and then also how like you know middle ages is very patriarchal and then it's like okay like this seems like highly improbable that this would ever happen so i mean Walt tyler had the peasant rebellion though with richard ii that so. is true Although he was a dude, so. Yeah. Um, I don't think. Oh, but Eleanor of Aquitaine went on crusade with her husband, Louis. Oh, fuck yeah, she did. And actually had rebellions against uh, her other husband, Henry. She actually raised fucking armies against her husband. How's that for ba- How's that for baller? Because, you know, he has a knife, you have a knife, we all have <laughs> knives. It's 1183 and we're all barbarians. <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, check out Lion of Winter. Lion- it's, oh, my God. Baby Anthony Hopkins... Fucking Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. Oh, um, 
Catherine Hepburn. Oh, she's so good. Oh no, Catherine. Who is it? Uh, very fit. Very famous actress. No, it's Catherine Hepburn. It was Ka- okay. Catherine yeah. Hepburn. She plays uh, Henry the or Eleanor of Aquitaine. Uh, Timothy Dalton plays the Dauphin. Oh, and that he who would later become, I think, one of the Louis of France. He would, I I, I want to say it was either Louis or Philip. No, Philip the Fourth. Yeah, yes. Philip the Fourth. Philippe the Fourth of uh, France. Which like, there's that wonderful scene where like he like. He, like, tells Henry II, he's like, I totally fucked your son Richard. And Richard, like, is hiding behind a tapestry. He's like, that's a lie! <laughs> I mean... that I, move, So much of that movie is just people jumping out from behind tra- tapestries. Uh, I mean, it is confirmed that Richard II, or Richard the Lionheart, was uh, bisexual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, shout out to my bisexuals. Yeah, no, he's... We are, we are not alone. There, there are many of us throughout history, and some of us even ran countries. Yeah, I mean, Frederick the Great being one notable, another notable example. Oh, hell yeah. Alexander uh, the Great. Alexander There's the, a lot of the I greats. Mean, <laughs> to be fair, what Greek wasn't bisexual? No, the, the Greek would think it, if you, if we were to talk to Alexander the Great and be like, you're bisexual, he's like, what the fuck does that mean? It means like, you fuck men and women. He's like, everyone does. What are you talking about? <laughs> it, I don't understand. Oh, the future's weird. <laughs> God damn it. Tell me about my empire. Did it last a thousand years? <laughs> it lasted about... Five seconds after your death? Oh, but tell me, what happened to my son? <laughs> what about my wife, Roxana? Oh, fuck. Alright, is uh, the time machine still on? Send him back. I can't. <sighs> I can't. <laughs> How about my channels? Did they all get along after I died? Define get along. <laughs> I mean, when they were away from each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean... Who does Anthony Hopkins play in that movie? He's Richard the Lionheart. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Um, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, so I don't really remember. I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that they had play Jeffrey was... He was great. He was the shit. Yeah. Jeffrey of Brittany, who is, like, a super fascinating character, and it's, like, honestly, it was probably the best choice for he was the throne. Old, he was elder than Richard, right? He was, but they, and this was before primogeniture, so this was actually a deal where it was, like, dad actually gets to decide which of his kids are king instead of... It would have just been Richard by default because Richard's the oldest. I mean, well, no, Jeffrey was older than Richard though. But oh, wait, Jeffrey, was he? but he died before Richard. Yeah, no, that was what happened. Yeah, so primogeniture was still pretty much a thing yeah. at the time. Like it wasn't like a written rule, but it was like pretty much the default where it's like, okay, well, it's kind of assumed it's going to your eldest. Yeah. Um, and then you know, if you're the second or third son, congratulations, you have two choices: the military or the clergy. Yeah. No, is it in Shakespeare's play King John? Uh, John is a bad king. He, he kind of was. He kind John was kind of a bad king. No, but he uh, he was supposed to he he, he killed um, Jeffrey's son, Ooh. who would have inherited because I believe John never had any issue. No. So um, that's where you get. I want to say Henry the Third. And then after Henry the Third, you get Long Longshanks, Edward yeah. the First. But here's the thing I find super funny about that is mm. um, Jeffrey's son, who would have inherited had he not been murdered by John. His name was Arthur. So English history, we almost had a King Arthur and Henry like the, a, Henry like the Eighth's <laughs> eldest brother, who died before Henry the Eighth, was also named Arthur. Dude, what? When are we gonna get a King Arthur that's not fake? I know. I mean. It's it's kind of. Like, I mean, down with the monarchy, but still, we should have at yeah. least one King Arthur before we ha- let the heads roll. Just, just if you, 
for those of you listening who are in the royal family, never name your kid Arthur. <laughs> Just for the love of God. It doesn't bode well. <laughs> it's like being having your last name Kennedy in America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean... Trying to think. Yeah, there wasn't really much else that we had in the movie. It was just kind of like taking out the fort, and then yeah, now that's like trying to assault across the river. And yeah, and now we get to uh, now we get to see um, where Joan goes from here. Now how we how she actually becomes the maid of Orleans. Yeah, because she's. I mean, man, this is a smash debut album that she's released, but we're looking forward to that sophomore pickup. Yeah, um, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. She's got him in the first half, but we'll see how the second half goes. We shall indeed. Yeah. We will be right back. I'm going to go. All right. So we just finished up with the battle of, or the relief of the siege of Orléans. Yeah. Um, so they take the fort, and then they go across the river to take the actual castle. Yes. Um, no, and it's it's great when they do the, when they take the castle, because I'd love it. Joan just does the op or she does the same thing that they did to her yeah. when they started the battle when yeah. they didn't they bo- they didn't bother to tell her that they were starting the battle and she had to wake up and be like oh fucking fine I'll finish this for you and then she wakes up before them has her little shouting match with the uh um the dude who spit who farts in our general direction yeah and then she wakes up the french army and it's like no nope, you guys it's time to go again and they're like Fuck, we haven't, had, we haven't had a coffee. Oh, wait, coffee hasn't been imported, Indi- to, yeah. imported to Europe yet. No, they, they, they missed that little chestnut. Yeah. Fuck, we haven't had our morning wine yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, and I love it so much because uh, she gets everyone riled up and then they, like, get this siege tower and the, the English guy looks at it and he's like, they don't even know how to use that thing. It's facing the wrong direction. And then Dunois also says that when he wakes up. He's like, Joan, you don't even know how to use that thing. She's like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Either get to sleep or get fighting. <laughs> he's like, there's that one guy fight. That one guy behind him, he's like, can you believe this shit? And the guy's like, of course I can believe this shit. What are you talking about? He's like, did you agree to this? He's like, I always agree to attack. No, it was like, he's like, you know, it didn't count when I agreed to attack with you. Why? Because I always agree to attack. Yeah, and then it's like, they tip the fucking siege tower over, and then um, break down the gate somehow, and it's just like, oh, okay. Oh, just real quick, folks. In case you doubted that booze and bullets involved both booze and bullets. Yes. There's the... Hey, come on. Yeah, I'm on beer number three right now. Yeah, it was it. I've had, I've had a, uh, two Marsalas and two beers. Well, you're on your second. You just started your second right now. Yeah. So, I'm on. Yeah, I'm. I just cracked open beer number three not that long ago. So. Damn, I gotta catch up. Hmm. You've had the cur though, so I I need to catch up. No, that is true. Um. <laughs> so. Um. But yeah, so they go through the whole thing, and then it's like, oh, and then there's the archer scene where like, uh, Gilles de Ray pops up behind Joan and then like takes an arrow to the fucking like arm and she's like help these people and he's like yeah sure babe I got get you. right on it like okay we're good <sighs> which then so cute to see a Satanist put himself in danger to save a saint yeah 
It's like it's how you know they're friends. Yeah. Look, they don't agree on everything. <laughs> you know, Joan believes that you shouldn't murder hundreds of children and try to summon a demon. Gilda Raid believes you should. Yeah. No, obviously, you guys. Yeah. Um, which, random aside, this is um, in Henry VI Part One, which is the Shakespeare play where Joan of Arc is a character and is unequivocally a fucking witch. She, yeah. She's just a, a witch who likes to fuck everyone. And it's not Joan, but it's actually a really fun character. <laughs> um, but no, it's it, it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, in real life, there there maybe was that person that was probably Gilles de Ray. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And then it's also like they take it all that battle was fucking brutal also. Like somebody gets stabbed in the dick, like not cool, bro. No. There was that one guy who was what was it? He caught the English sold that one of the English soldiers who was alive and he's gonna knock his teeth out and he's got all fu- like the the one dude has fucked up teeth, the French soldier, and yeah. he's like, Well I'm gonna take his teeth because he has nice nice teeth. It's like I just saw a head five feet away. You don't have to kill a man for that. You just take that head. Yeah. Just boil the teeth before you put the dent- put them in dentures. Yeah. Uh, well, you never know about the quality of uh, that dude's teeth. That's true. If you got someone who's alive and it's like, okay, this guy actually has good teeth, it's like... Can you... He's just like, smile for me. You'll do. <laughs> for, for what? You'll see. <laughs> oh, God, no! <laughs> no, and this is... I, we were both talking about how... Like, in this movie... This movie is, like, really beautiful. Oh, Like, yeah. in terms of... It's before Luc Besson really, I think, kind of fell off the deep end with sort yeah. of his later shit, like, like Lucy, I don't give, I don't care, like, yeah. Valerian, it's like, whatever. I feel like this might be one of the last Luc Besson movies where I'm just like, this is fucking singular. Yeah. And I'm thinking about that bit where uh, they use the siege tower uh, backwards to break through the wall, or to break through the, uh, the drawbridge. Yeah. So now they can use that as a bridge and like storm in. Yeah. And you know the English are fucking freaking out because they're like, we oh I had no idea that we were so close to being fucking beat. Oh yeah. So the English start freaking out. They start doing the the French start doing a battering ram, and the whole time it's cutting back and forth between one side of the the door and the other. Right. And on the English side of the door, Talbot is just screaming, "More men! More men!" <laughs> Holy shit, load the crazy porcupine machine gun. Yeah. Which the apparently is not a real thing, but they had a, they they had a really weird like arrow machine gun. Yeah, which I have no record of that. I don't know of any records of that existing. No, and it's it's one of those things where it's like it wouldn't surprise me if maybe that was a thing that someone came up with once, but yeah. also the Iron Maiden, which is something most people associate with torture, was actually not a torture device. Um, it was just something that some artist came up with well after the fact, and people were like, oh, this is totally how they tortured people in those days. I actually, I remember in middle school, actually, I had to come up with, like, an Edgar Allan-style Poe, uh, Edgar Allan Poe-style, like, poem, and I basically did that, and it was, like, the telltale heart, but I killed the person with, like, an Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> It might have been actually. It might have been middle school that I wrote that play. I like, think poem. Was it? I think after you said that, like when I cut this, I'm gonna put in like some like fucking metal music. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Also. Also, the French had longbowmen apparently in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It, as soon as the as soon as it worked for the English, I don't see why the French wouldn't be like, oh yeah, that for us too though. 
Not really. They were actually primarily crossbow users. It worked out for... It worked out in the movie. Yeah. Because we definitely did see French using crossbows a lot. Yeah. Uh, but also the English, too. Like, some of the English defenders you see have crossbows. Oh, and then there's also Gilles de Ray with his two fucking maces that he has in his hands. Dude! That we call Satan and Lucifer. Yeah, no, that that was so cool. He just, like, fucking swings those over the back of his head and he's like, let's get killing these fucking <laughs> Christians, you guys. Die, you papist scum. Blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull throne. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, um, but yeah, I mean... Vincent Cassiel is really good in this movie. He is. He's a supporting character, but he's so much fun to watch. He is. And also, like, the other, like, the actual French general, like, the French commander is just, like, one of those guys just, like, two damn days from retirement. <laughs> no, Dunois totally gives off that thing. He's totally Murtaugh in this movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's just basically, like, all the time, just like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> No, but uh, was it this movie? It was it. We were talking about this, like with some of the liberties that it takes, where it's like Talbot tucks tail and runs away. Yeah, which is actually a deal. Talbot survived the Battle of the Tyrell. Yeah. So and I mean, he, he probably retreated. No, he totally, definitely retreated. But like the way that they made it look is that he just left all of the English to die while he ran away in panic. No, yeah, he did not which do that. Is I mean, he could have, but it's like, I mean, whatever. Like, there, it, it's definitely a stylistic choice for the movie. That I mean, I think that. it's like the entirety of the English army basically like retreated. Like, yeah, they weren't slaughtered to a man. No, and I love that where it's, um, and we'll get to that bit. But yeah. like, so Talbot runs away. Also, I love that Talbot has like fucking herpes all over his face or something. They're like, in case you didn't know the English were evil, they're all either fat, hairy gingers or, like, covered in smallpox or some other bullshit. Which is, like, I mean, actually it makes sense because, you know, smallpox was an old world disease, so. Yeah, and it's like, so was herpes. I'm sure that there were some motherfuckers wandering around with just hella fucking herpes on their lips. Not syphilis, though. It's too early for syphilis. Because <laughs> syphilis is a new world disease. Thank God for that. Yeah. You know, it'll send Frederick Nietzsche and also um, some French monarchs later down the road crazy. Uh, real talk, though, syphilis isn't a New World disease. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, it never happened until after we discovered the New World. Oh no, it it still happened. Yeah. Uh, no, right. it was it? There's a, there's actually a, um, a a Renaissance Italian poem about syphilis. Oh, well, Rena depends when in the Renaissance is the question. This is like 1300s. Oh, really? Yeah, it's in yeah. it's in Latin and it's actually rather fun. I got to translate bits of it. But it never really became an epidemic until after the well, I mean, the new world. It was an epidemic for sure, but like when you have to deal with fucking smallpox. Yeah. Like syphilis, you just you get a flu and then you, go you don't crazy. and then no, but then you don't show symptoms forever. It's yeah. like it's like 7 to 10 years of just like, oh no, I just had a flu once. Yeah. And then later you get other health problems and you're not sure exactly what those health problems are. Right. So, syphilis was a deal with them. It was just, like, sort of, it was easier to live with. Yeah. And it was just also... So, it might have mutated with the Colombian exchange into a more virulent kind of form. Oh, it totally did. And also, like, you know, once you introduce a virus to a population that's never dealt with that virus, it's going to look way worse. Yeah. Which is part of why yeah. it's mostly considered a new world disease. But, yeah, I think, like, some members of Charles's family, the Valois, like, some of them actually got, like, the mutated post-Colombian exchange... No. Uh, I think it was, uh, oh, Francis I of France. Yeah? Yeah, he got syphilis. Dude is notorious for hoeing around. 
Dude, was, and I also, like, I'm not saying that Joan never had sex. She probably didn't. She doesn't seem like that to yeah. me. But also, like, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking I, a I, dude living hundreds of years later. I mean, I would not stick my dick in that because never stick your dick in crazy. No. Yeah. Also, don't stick your dick in crazy that talks to St. Michael. Because yeah. if you ghost her, you become a ghost. <laughs> so, and then she asks, like, Oh, what's your uh, heritage? And then I'm like, oh, I'm actually a British citizen. And then she just pulls out a fucking longsword on me. And I'm just like, but I was born and raised in America. See, I'm half British, half Italian, but I would like super lean on my Welshness where I'd be like, no, no, I'm related to one Glendower girl. My people have been trying to kill the people you're trying to kill for a while. I'd be like, I'm related to Richard the Lionheart. Uh, actually, he was more, oh. well, but he was more French than English. He was, yeah. So, well, no, that's that's also kind of we were talking about this a bit earlier, but it's yeah. like it, it's the kind of bullshit of, and it's as much as I love Joan, I, I don't really see what she did as liberating France from the English because real talk at that point in history, the connections between France and England were really too numerous to for it to be just a straight up us versus them thing. What well, also comes back to William the Conqueror, because it's like. So William was the Duke of Normandy, and when he conquered England, it was like, so was England a part of the Kingdom of France or not? Because mm -hmm. he was yeah. technically a vassal of the King of France, so it's like, well, how do we go about doing this? Yeah. Is Normandy English, or is England French? So and, it's, in real talk, no one would have asked that question. Yeah. Because at that point it would be like, oh no, we're we're all related to the same people. Yeah. So it was really just what group of nobles you wanted to pay rent to at that yeah. time. And after Henry V came around and Henry VI happened, a lot of France decided, not those French people. I mean, honestly, I would rather, if I was a French person, I'd be like, I'm going to pay rent to the English because, you know, they have like a parliament and actual like representation and somewhat some form of democracy. Nah. We have a peasant girl who talks to God, as opposed to like, as opposed to like an absolutist king who's like, you know, what my what I say goes, and it's like, okay, that seems legit. <laughs> I mean, granted, Parliament was also, uh, yeah, it was fairly new. It was only about a mm, hundred years old at this point. Oh mm. uh, no, no, fourteen hundreds. Ah, uh, no. Eh, 200 years old. Yeah. But it still was like, pretty much it was only the highest echelons of society were members of parliament. Like a full democratization of parliament wouldn't happen until the 20th century when non-property owners could vote. Well, you're also forgetting about that really wonderful period of time where um, parliament and commoners raised an army and rejected kings. We don't speak about Cromwell. You don't. Cromwell was an absolute asshat. He banned Christmas, for God's sakes. You and know, also... You know what? Here, hot take, controversial hot take, Cromwell was right about Christmas. We should ban it. Also, he, bland, he banned plays. Oh, that's some fucked up shit. And also gambling, ale houses. He banned the pubs, for God's sakes. See, w the list that you just rattled off to me, only half of them, I would be like, hey, wait a minute. The other half, I'm like, no, that sounds right. We should ban gambling. Yeah, we should. It's dumb. But also, he banned the alehouses. Yeah. 
and yeah, if we were if we were having this podcast under Cromwell, we wouldn't be having this podcast. Well, it would just be bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Bullets. <laughs> so, and honestly, what kind of sadistic English man actually bans pubs in England? Dude, there's some people who try to pull shit like that where I'm like, it's no wonder you didn't get anywhere. There was like the one dude who tried to, what was it, I can't remember who he was, but he was the he was one of the archbishops of Canterbury after mm. they started the Church of England. He's like, we should make the church ceremonies more Catholic, and all of Scotland was like, or nah. <laughs> well, they were Calvinists, though. Yeah. They were weird. Calvinists also believe it's like, okay, you're born, you're going to hell. There's something you can do about it. No, that's, honestly, it's one of the things about Calvinism that I don't understand yeah. for the life of me is just like, Oh, you were just born bad. I was like, that sounds like a thing you say to someone you hate and just don't have to back it up because religion, though. See, this is why I like, you know, all Protestant religions but Calvinism. <laughs> no, they usually they're better. Honestly, like the, the version of the Anglican Church that happened after Elizabeth, I thought was Catholic light. Yeah, no, diacatholics. Yeah. Like, I thought that was pretty interesting. Catholic zero? I didn't think it was tight that she was like, Catholics can't own land now, because that just leads to shit like the Guy Fox rebellion. Yeah. They're Irish, who cares? Guy Fox was not Irish. Well, you know what? He was a papist, so... He was. He, he As Darth Vader said, he is a rebel and a traitor. Take him away. But also, he's part of the one... He's also part of the 99%, so you gotta respect that. Dude was a landowner. <laughs> Dude was just some pissy landowner. Oh shit, why are we all putting this face on when we do anonymous things? Honestly, dude wanted to create a Catholic theocracy. Nah, he did. Now, it's his good idea stopped it. We should blow up Parliament. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, uh, else, what else he got? Let's, uh, let's invite the Pope back and restore Catholicism to uh, England. How about we just make Catholicism legal again? No, Catholic theocracy. God damn it. <laughs> this is why we're persecuted, Guy Fox. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, we, we are going to take a pause for a couple weeks while doing this. Um, mm. Also, we should watch the Tudors. We should totally. It's not going to come out. What was it? When we start releasing, it's not going to come out as a pause for two weeks. No. No, because I've got um, I've got the two episodes banked. Right. I'll release them at regular intervals, this one, and then by the time I finish having edited all three, we will have started the next one. Mm. So, like, it will, for the listener, it will seem uninterrupted. Right. Um, but yeah, also, I mean, it's not related to our podcast title, but definitely watch The Tudors. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Oh, no, it's, it was, oh my god, fucking Natalie Dormer is so good in it. Mm-hmm. That Mar smirk, though. Mar uh, uh, Marjorie Tyrell. It's a smirk, though. Like, her, the smirk that she does, it's just like, and I'm instantly hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my freedom Dude, can only be contained so much. No, it's so funny to me, that show, because it's like, I watch it, and I'm like, everyone's hot, and I know for the fact, I know for a fact the Tudors were not this hot. And then you look at Henry like, VIII when he was young, and it's like, fuck, he was actually this hot. No, no, Henry VIII when he was young was a thirst trap. But, like, that's that end, that all ended for most of them very quickly. Like, Anne Boleyn was kind of beautiful. <laughs> Anne of Cleves, she wasn't hot, but she wasn't 
horribly ugly, like, you no. know, what Henry VIII said she was. But they became good friends after they divorced. Like, they would play cards together and be like, that's hey. super. That's super cute to me. That like, it's like, hey, I know we're divorced, but like, let's fucking hang out though. No, I mean, it's like, hey, you weren't the woman that I thought you were, but you're so cool. Like, we can still hang out. It's like, okay. Also, it's kind of not fair to like lay that on Anne of Cleves, where it's like, it's like I thought you were hotter, and it's like, real talk, she had smallpox that disfigures you after you have it. Well, also the painting was kind of misleading that Henry got. So. Yeah. And also, that, that marriage actually led to the downfall of Thomas Cranmer. Are you serious? How? Because he organized it with a German Protestant prince because he was uber-Protestant. Oh, yeah. That'll do it. And then it happened, and then Henry was like, yeah, I'm going to execute you now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just trying to hook you up, bro. I'm just trying to be your wingman. Just, Why? <laughs> If, if the last 40 years have taught you anything, don't be my wingman or my wife. <laughs> just just look at Thomas Cromwell. <laughs> yeah, just look at Thomas Cromwell. Just look at him. No, seriously, just look at him. I just see a, just a beheaded body, exactly. <laughs> Although he didn't die for any... He just didn't want to renounce the Catholic faith in, in exchange for the Church of England. Yeah. Honestly, Thomas Cromwell was a pretty upstanding guy. You're talking about... No, you're talking about Thomas More. Thomas More, yes. You're Thomas More. That's who, what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, no. Because I don't know who Thomas Cromwell is. Yeah. Oliver Cromwell no. certainly renounced the Church of... The Church of... Uh, the Church of the... The, uh, the Church of Rome. And also the Church of England as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was also because Charles I was kind of like, let's make it even more Catholic. Because he married a French woman who was Catholic, and it was just like... You can't... No, this is the thing that, like, utterly fascinates me about this, like, history of England, where it's like, oh, no, you're getting too Catholic. It's like, what do you expect? Your rulers keep marrying Europeans. They keep going to the continent and getting French and Italian fucking wives. Like, what did you expect? They should have gone Dutch. This is why William of... The fourth came around. (laughs) No, William of Orange. Like, the fucking... the, The one trip thing, where it's like, Mary's like... How about I marry not a Catholic and England was fine? Yeah. And he was actually, like, a good ruler. Yeah, no, they were tight. He actually created the English Bill of Rights. William and Mary have a college. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, basically, like, also James basically, like, the reason the Glorious Revolution actually happened is so James II converted to Catholicism and they're like, all right, he doesn't have any male heirs. We're fine. And then eventually it's like, James is like, I have a son now. And then literally everyone in England was like, shh. Shit. We had a good thing going. And who later became Bonnie Prince Charlie. So who, laid the, who led the Jacobite rebellions. I love that nickname, Bonnie Prince Charlie. Yeah. It's adorable. Um, and then they're like, and then they just call it Mary. It's like, hey Mary, can you come over with your husband and make us Protestant, please? Can we get a Protestant king? Thanks. Was it, uh, going back to the movie, Yeah, this is a thing that I'm actually, like, I, another thing that I'm, aside from Talbot being all, like, pox-faced, uh, which is, like, I'm, it, it could have been true, it could have not, I just know that they did it in the movie because it would make us think, oh, they're ugly, so they're probably evil. Yeah. Um, Hashtag thing, English lives matter, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, stop writing that shit, it got you an empire already. But, hey, the French had an empire, too. That's true. They had literally all of West Africa and 
Indochina. Look, you have an empire, the English have an empire, eventually the Americans had an empire. We all have empires. It's 1183 and we're all barbarians? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I guess, actually, no. We can't stay away from that movie. <laughs> actually, it's 1883 and we're all, and we're all empires. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, but... Uh, Even the Germans got in on the game. They certainly did. And, uh... <laughs> Meanwhile, Poland... Uh, I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> oh god! Oh, said it. Said it. The fucking. I'm sorry. I, I'm. I said it. The Belgian. I'm just thinking. Fucking Leopold. Oh. That piece of shit. Oh god. Oh, look him up on your own time. And when you do, expect to prepare. Er, expect to read about Hitler squared. Basically, like the Belgian Parliament was like, how about no? No, it's like, in, when you hear about shit in the Congo, about people taking people's hands and arms with machetes, that's not a thing that started in Africa. Leopold brought that. Belgians well, did that. Actually, it started with Christopher Columbus in the Americas. Okay. It started with the Spaniards in the Americas. I just want to do, like, a little fucking infographic where it's just like, colonialism fucking sucks. <laughs> Meanwhile, the English are like, okay, we're going to conquer your land, but we're not going to take your hands. And it's like, that seems... Somewhat oh, better. fucking tight, I guess. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. The French are just like... Turns no. out not as good. And then the or French not are, well. Well, the French are just like, can we just have furs, please? That's basically all they did in America. <laughs> can we have furs? My guy. <laughs> Which is why most of the native troops actually fought with the French in the French, French and Indian War. Uh, random thing, I had an ex who... Uh, he went to this lecture series at one point about uh, queer fur trappers in the French New World. And apparently it was like a pretty cool accepting community where it was like if like if you were gonna if you were gonna be gay in that time, it was super awesome to do it in French territories of the New World. I mean, you're in Canada, it's cold as fuck. You want someone to snuggle with, okay? And it's like no one would fuck with you about it. Like it was just the the most random time in history where it's like, I wanna live my truth in the rest of Canada and is like you live your truth. C'est bien. C'est très bien. Uh, yeah. No, is it? So, getting back to the movie. Though. Yeah. Um, no, the other thing about, though, Joan, is, um, man, they really do lean into the she's crazy. Oh, God. She has a full-on acid flashback where Jesus is, like, fucking bleeding, and he's like, why are you doing this to me, Joan? And then we had that talk earlier where it's like Talbot is in the battle, and he's like, ha, I'm in danger. Yeah. <laughs> and then Joan is like, whoa, acid flashback. I really need to be leading this battle. <laughs> it's, yeah. Everything goes back to The Simpsons. Like It really does. No, but it's super fucking so, true. It's like what South Park said. Simpsons did it. Yeah, Simpsons did it first. <laughs> yeah. It's real. But um, No, but it's like, it's one of those things that's weird that we both kind of jumped on where it's like, I don't, like, I'm not saying that Joan wasn't a peace-loving person, but in from what I remember of her court transcripts, she's like, yeah, I killed people. What you gonna do about it? You know, it's, it's fucking war. It's, yeah. and also, it's the end of the Hundred Years' War. This war's been going on for a minute. It's like, it's like, oh my goodness, how could you stomach all of this battle? And it's like, because I've seen it throughout my entire life. Not only have I seen it, I'm like a peasant who like lives on a farm and probably has to watch shit get slaughtered. So watching things die isn't as traumatic to that mind Yeah. as it would be to ours. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I've seen animals get killed. Like, my dad hunts. He does all that stuff. I've seen, like, shot pigs. Yeah. 
And you know, I've plucked, I've plucked actually birds that my dad shot. See, no, and it's one of, like, was it, my brother, my brother's a rancher, like, he slaughters yeah. cows, so, or, like, he's had to deal with dead cows, so it's, like, this thing where it's, like, there's this section of the population that, like, is kind of, I don't want to say, like, understanding yeah. of brutality or of death and carnage, but, like, to say that Joan was somehow, like, somehow shared our modern-day mindset of, Dude. like, oh, it's so bad to do this violence, it's, like, I I get where you're going, but you also watched your sister get raped at the beginning of this movie, which also didn't happen. So like, I don't understand where this reticence is coming from. Yeah, I'd be like, hold up, I have several questions about this whole thing. And it's also like, it's funny. Like a lot of the um, commanders that we see in this, besides um, who's the guy who plays Dunois? Dun, uh, besides Dunois, uh, most of them actually look pretty young. Like, Gilles de Rye looks very young. Um, yeah. Well, except for the big dude. The big dude who, like, curses way too much. Oh, dude, I don't know his name, but he's, like, my favorite. Yeah. Well, no, I'm sorry. Gilles de Rye is my favorite. Well, Honestly? Jean's my favorite? Fuck you. They're all my favorites. You should dress up as him for Halloween, actually. Oh, dude, I, he's, like, my spirit animal. Like, I get him. I cuss too much. <laughs> I drink hella. I'm a tank and I'll attack you. It's fine. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's... I feel like I'm, in terms of, like, the build of Gilles de Rey, but without the Satanism and child murder. A little bit. Yeah. Although, you don't, you're not, like, as, you're not as much of the uh, contrarian, I feel. Oh, actually, I'd be the guy who's, like, when do I ever say not to go on in the attack? <laughs> no, no, you're, you're the, you're the fucking, you're the grounded dude. You're the guy who's screaming at Joan at the Battle of Paris, being like, Joan, you have an arrow in your leg. Oh, that's Gilles de Rey, actually. No, that's not Gilles Ray. No, no, it was. No, that was the dude oh. who, like, does her oh, banner and shit. Yeah. Like, that's the dude that's like, Joan, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get back on to doing good things. And she's like, or like that one scene where she starts cutting off her own hair with a knife. And he's like, well, at least get, let me get a barber. What the fuck, lady? Although barber actually was also a term for a medic back in those days. Because <laughs> they knew how to cut stuff. So it's like, okay, we know how to cut an arrow and kind of... Get it out of you. Could you imagine going to Supercuts to get your tonsils removed? Neither can I. Fuck the Middle Ages. <laughs> also, it's like... Although, there was more copious amounts of alcohol in the Middle Ages, so we had that. They had that going for them. Yeah, because their water was impotable. In some way, and sometimes it was. Uh, but also, why not just have beer? <laughs> why not? You know, honestly, I would have been drinking the beer anyways. Yeah. Do you, actually, want, do you actually, want water? We have beer. Beer's fine. I mean, water didn't actually actually dropped in quality because of the Industrial Revolution in the West. Oh, so basically it was tight to drink water before then? Yeah, eh, more or less. Yeah. More so in the Middle Ages than during the Industrial Revolution. Because it's like... Because we had the... Um, I wonder London, how many cholera problems we had before then. <gasps> Oh, God, in London there was a massive cholera epidemic. But that was, like, Industrial Revolution times, right? Yes. Uh, actually, dysentery was more of a problem. So basically, you shit till you die. Hooray! Uh, dude, fuck... <laughs> yeah, fuck history. It was a long time ago, but I still feel it. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it's... Honestly, like... I'm actually super thankful that I was born in this era where it's like, hey, I have modern medicine, I have palatable drinking water, you know, 
I make wages that basically put me in the global 1%. Yeah. And also, you know things. More yeah. things than we would usually have been able to know otherwise, because we have access to education on the internet. Although, I actually speak less languages than, like, most people of my time in class. And I'm like, <laughs> why? See, I speak less languages than most Americans. Or, no, I'm sorry. Let me restart that. I speak less languages than they did back then, but I speak more languages than most Americans now. <laughs> what, so two? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know... Kind of three. Four, I, four if I stretch it. I know... <laughs> I would say combining my half-knowledge of French and German, so three? Because I know Spanish and English. Yeah. But then I know, like, a bit of French and a bit of German, so... Um... I mean, I can get by in German-ish. Like, I know exactly... I know how to ask where the train station is. Wo ist die Hauptbahnhof? Um, and then in French, I know how to say, you know... A red wine, please. Un vin rouge, s'il vous plaît. Um, yeah, I know the basics of those languages. But, yeah, Spanish and English I know the most of. But then it's like... You read like you know a nobleman. It's like how many languages do you know? I know I know English, French, uh, Latin, um, Spanish, maybe German. Ger like... uh, German actually would make sense. Although yeah, the German language was a thing. Germany was not a thing back in the. No, it wasn't. But you would have to, you would have to you would have to talk Deutsch to someone sometime. Eh, probably Dutch would actually be a good language because the Dutch were big commercial players. Oh hell yeah! Never underestimate the Dutch. Never underestimate the tulips. Uh, what did you think of the coronation? I liked it. I mean, it was also like weird where it's like, why why did these people not change out of their like battle armor into yeah. like, more fitting clothing for an occasion such as this? I think they uh, was it. I think that they were trying to evoke something from our modern sensibilities, where it's like watching like was it service people flanking the leader in uniform? I think was the thing that they were trying to ape, but knowing the times it doesn't really make sense mm -mm. it also i don't know quite if it makes sense that joan would have been wearing armor and not a dress because like that was a thing where she she did cross dress but she did it for battle yeah um she also did it so that like i we can actually open this conversation up sort of like later as to why exactly she did what she did and i think that that's going to be fun yeah but like I on I don't see everyone showing up to that coronation in full armor like you. Like no. I don't see that. No, it's it would not happen. Like literally, if you did that in the Middle Ages, they'd be like, "Get the fuck out and change right the fuck now." <laughs> no, because if you show up to a church in armor, it's like, "What are you trying to fuck some shit up? What are you doing here? What are you fucking Vikings?" Yeah. Um. No, I mean, yeah, it's like if you wear armor into a church, like that's a big no-no. According to the Catholic Church, like, they'd just be like, are you trying to pillage us? No, it's like, it was. It also kind of reminds me of just, like, Romans, where it's like, if you if you turn up to the Senate in armor, no. everybody knows that you're up to no good. Yeah. Even if you wore, um, like, marching sandals, it would be like... That was gauche of you. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's like... I'm trying to, yeah, I mean, it was like, ev literally everyone was wearing armor. It was like, Gilles de Rey... Dunois, um, the big dude who curses too much. Yep. Um, the dude who always wants to attack. Yep. Well, he was asleep and they were all laughing at him. Oh, that's true, yeah. 
Uh, which is a very cute scene. It was, like, very much, like, a military bro moment where it was, like, hey, we're just gonna, like, laugh, point and laugh at you while you while you sleep after a long campaign, and you've gotten no, literally no fucking sleep. And it's, like, of course I'm sleeping right now. It's the only fucking rest that I've gotten. Oh, we also need to talk about the oil of Clovis scene oh, that happened. Yeah. That was my favorite scene. Well, no, I have a lot of favorite scenes, but that was just, that was a great bit of acting from Faye Dunaway, where it's, oh, like... Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it. It was all of the bishops were like they were going to anoint Charles like to become the next king of France with the oil of Clovis that was brought down from heaven by a dove, and it's not there. I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, and just pours the oil into her. No, I also love that she she walks in and she's like, "Is there a problem?" And he's like, "The oil of Clovis is gone. It was dropped from heaven by a dove." And the whole time he's fucking talking, she's like. Snapping her fingers at her guy, he's bringing over a vial. She's filling the, she's taking the vial, dipping it into their holy vial, and she's just like, "I'm performing a miracle. Here you go." By the way, when was the last time you saw this? At the coronation of his father, thirty years ago. Is it any wonder it's gone? Like, uh, and then he gets coronated with that oil, and like the bishops just like give each other this dirty look, as just like, "Oh God, this isn't real." Like, I mean. Holy relics, it's kind of like, eh, it's like, oh, hey, we have like 15 shin bones of St. John in yeah. Europe, and it's like, uh, no, I like, here's the thing. I'm, I'm a lapsed Catholic for sure. <sighs> as much, as much as I have like a lot of love for the institution in ways, and also like a lot of love for some of the, the hagiography for sure. I love yeah. saint stories. I love stories about miracles. Also, the rituals are pretty... Like, I'm not even a Catholic, yeah. and I'm like, I love the rituals of Catholicism. No, people super dig it. Like, yeah. it's it's a thing that's really cool. But, like, I'm I'm honestly not, like... I, I understand a skepticism about, but it is a whole, holy oil brought from heaven. It's like, it's fucking oil, dude. It's not gonna last forever. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. I mean, like it's it it's not a bad omen if all of a sudden this thing is gone. I mean, also Clovis apparently like the reason he claimed divination was basically he would he claimed that like yeah I'm the son of fucking Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene. Yeah, that's how that worked. So, dude, fuck the Merovingians. Yeah, they were fascinating, but like that is a PR move that is so brash I wouldn't even fuck with it. But then you get the Carolingians afterwards, so you get you know. Pippin, uh, and then, you know, Charlemagne, of course. Yeah. Who was basically like, hey, pagan, hey, Saxons, nice paganism you got there. Be ashamed if something were to happen to it. Yeah. And then basically proceeds to wreck all of Europe, basically. <laughs> and then proceeds to lose it all because he, because Frankish law at the time basically divided up literally everything between your sons. Was it? Yeah. Speaking about who was it? Speaking about kings having problems, uh, they don't send Joan any reinforcements to take Paris. Yeah, Charles gets coronated and basically has a long ass bath. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now I like to think that he was in that bath bath with his hot ass wife for a while. Mm -hmm. She was really pretty, even with all the fucking weird head shit. Middle Ages were weird. Lesson kids, Middle Ages were weird. Dude, if, if there's one thing that you should take away from this podcast in particular, the Middle Ages are fucking weird. And also fucking gruesome and short. Your life will be cut short. It's it's bad. But it's okay 
For half the life, you get twice the popes, three times the kings, and one peasant girl who talks to God. And a partridge in a pear tree. Uh. <laughs> no, and it's, what was it? I actually kind of, I, it's weird. The first time I saw that scene, I didn't really, or the first, I've watched this movie multiple times, yeah. and I've never really logged it this way. Yeah. But watching Joan confront Charles, and she like storms in, and he's in the bath, and she's like, Where, what happened to the army you gave me? And he's like, gave you? I don't know if I gave you an army. And she's just like, what the fuck would you call it? And he like gets like a little defensive because obviously he's naked in a bathtub with his wife in front of a woman who's fully armored. <laughs> and who has a sword strapped. Yeah. Y'all and... bet better become y'all better know I come strapped. No, totally. <laughs> and like, no, and she's just like, you know, France doesn't belong to you, Charles. She belongs to God. And I could actually see Charles being like, okay. I made the right decision not giving this chick more soldiers, and I'm about to deprive her of more shit. And that's also like, bitch, you not know what divine right of kings means? Well, no, and it, it's a thing about this where it's like, I, as much as I love Joan of Arc, it really bums me out. Because it's like, yeah, you you fought for this guy? Do We're it. gonna do booze and bullets ASMR. Right, proper crack at that right there. Eh? Mr. Robbie. Cheers, mate. <sighs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, if I was that king, I'd be like, hang on, I'm the king of France. You don't get to fucking talk to me like that. No, in real talk, what is it? I'm, I, I, I'm Will quote Tyrion from yeah. Game of Thrones. It's hard to put a leash on a dog once you put a crown on his head. Yeah. So, yeah, he was a sniveling little bitch before. You gave him the victory, which made him king. So, of course, yeah, now he thinks he's all that. Even though he didn't do shit, he just sits in his castle and waits for you to win his battles for him. I mean... And not just, like, you, Joan, specifically, but literally everyone else. Denois, Gilderay, every other fucking French, like, soldier that he has out there is basically doing his job for him. And he's like, oh, now it's time for diplomacy. Also... In the Middle Ages, if a king doesn't lead his army from the front, he's considered kind of a bitch. No, real talk, Charles Charles Valois was kind of a bitch. Yeah. Hot take, but I'm going to say it. Charles Valois can go fuck himself. Yeah, he was a bitch. Like, look at Henry V, or, you know, Edward III. Henry V, who took over this fucking country from your granddad, who actually came over with his people. And then, you know, also, like, John II of France, who got captured at the Battle of Poitiers, or, you know... His father, who was wounded at the Battle of Cressy, it's like... No, there's there's a long tradition of people who... And here's the thing, like, I kind of get Charles this way. Long tradition of your relatives who got caught in battle. Oh, I just won't go there. <laughs> How about no? Uh, and it's like, I get it, but, you know, he doesn't, he, he doesn't support the troops. You know, those people who were loyal to Joan, he just let them he just let them go and invade Paris without any fucking reinforcements. Say what you want about Patton. He didn't like sending people into battle if he thought they would lose. Yeah. Goddamn fucking libtards. Not right? supporting our troops. <sighs> yeah, for for once we agree. <laughs> this is why This is it's weird. This is this this, this war is the most right wing I will ever sound. <laughs> is talking about this. I mean I mean, we're coming from right wing at different angles because I'm coming from the English side where it's like, how about you just conquer all of France and burn it to the ground? See, and I'm coming from the far left of, why don't the peasants just uprise? And, you know, I'm coming from, it's like, 
How about you just longbow everyone to death? How about the illiterate peasant girl talks to God and tells us how to get around your defenses? How about the illiterate English peasant longbows all of French, all of France's nobility to death? How about the English peasant gets his teeth knocked out by the French soldier for dentures? <laughs> you know what? This is a vicious cycle. Yeah. I get it. I get why she was pissed now. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I you know, for me, you know, it's the it's the Anglo in me where it's just like, they're French, so we have to kill them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, an interviewer comes up to the English, why, why are you fighting the French? Eh, tradition. <laughs> yeah, we go about it, you know, every hundred years. Well, no, so. it's, it's the hundred years war. I'm like, look, my dad did it, my grandpa did it, <laughs> his, grand, his dad did it. Like, that's just how it go. <laughs> yeah, you know, my great-great-grandfather did it. Look, we fight the French. It's just a thing we do. <laughs> and then it's like, Napoleonic Wars comes around and it's like, ah, shit, here we go again. <laughs> and then, you know, ah. Oh, and then, well, before that, you have the Seven Years of War slash French and Indian War. Yeah. And then before that, you have the Queen Anne's War. And then before that, okay, there's there's so many wars. Too many can. wars, you guys. Between England and France, it's like, by World War One, it's like, we cool? We cool. We could start a podcast on the wars between England and France, and we will finish two years after the <laughs> Earth crashes into the fucking sun. Yeah, it's oh god, it's there's too many wars between England and France. It's almost as many as the wars between France and Germany. <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah. What? This is why it's like. France, why hey, does everyone hate you? Hey, Maginot, nice line. Be ashamed if someone <laughs> went around it. It's like, also like, France, why do you have to pick fights with everyone? Fuck you, I do what that won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God damn it, France. Stop, just... Can you not get into a war? No, what was that? My, my favorite Eddie Izzard bit where it's like, all of Europe, you must do this thing. France, well, we're not gonna. <laughs> we're gonna have a sandwich. <laughs> Basically, like... France is kind of that person where it's just like, hey, we're going to go out, you know, have a few drinks, you know, hang out. And it's just like, France is like, nah. Also, I'm just going to have a strike for randomly for no reason. It's not for no reason. Well, we can talk about that later, though. Uh, France also desperately needs to reform their labor stuff. Uh, France desperately needs to figure out a way to get cheaper gas prices and or outsource to a cheaper way of transportation because it's killing them also needs to reform their pension system because you can retire at france at the age of 60 god well, that's fine you should be able to retire at 60 also by the way france if, uh, if modern medicine though it, I, i'll put that out there modern medicine can make people live healthier longer lives so i think 60 is kind of like you're kind of pushing it there yeah maybe considering how, how active Locke is and that dude is like 70 something oh dude Locke is Locke's a different animal yeah or sheila too yeah sheila also is above the age of retirement no real talk like i i'm with them where it's and also this is another thing you should have the option to retire yeah doesn't mean that people will i don't actually see myself as a person who will retire until i'm actually physically incapable of working yeah same Although, so i i just don't and it's an, another reason is just because people who retire die sooner like, yeah. that's the thing. Once you don't have a thing to do tomorrow, it's yeah. like, well, whatever. I mean, work is work. You know, a paycheck is a paycheck. Yeah. Um, but no, was it? Random aside, I'll probably bring it up 
again at the end. But yeah. if you're one of those French people who um, really hates uh, like immigrants and are like gathering around like Joan of Arc. Oh yeah. In modern day, if you're like one of those super right wing French people, I'm gonna say For Front National. Yeah, I'm gonna say fuck you. You missed the point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, the Joan of Arc is not your fashy bay. I all. mean, she was kind of nationalistic. No, she was. No, she she was. She was a, a nationalist. She was about where she was from for sure. Like yeah. all of us are. I'm about America. Oh, same. I like it. I know America has its problems. And when Joan threw all of those letters into the bathtub at Charles Valois, she also had. She also loved France. Was all about it and had problems with the administration. I mean, this is why. This is why you get a parliament, France. See, this is why England is superior. See, I like to think that, like, God... God save the queen! <laughs> I like to think that when, um... Uh, when St. Michael, St. Catherine, and St. Margaret showed up to hang out with Joan, um, they didn't mention Charles Valois. They are just like, oh, no, no, like, you should go talk to him, but you should, like, get his army. And then she's like, I'm here to make you king. And they're like, oh, that's not what we wanted. We were trying to go and... We wanted to go for a republic. Ah, shit. And fuck, we're just gonna have to do that later. We're gonna... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we're a little ahead of schedule. It's only the 1400s. We need to wait about, like, 300 years. Fine. Uh, we'll fizzle this out, and then we'll, then later we'll call Max. And then, and then it's like, oh, you want a blood, blood bath? And then, the, you know, Robespierre and the Jacobins are just like, allow us to introduce ourselves. <laughs> but it's just like, mm. I actually watched a documentary on, like, Robespierre and the Jacobins, and it's like, this is absolutely terrifying to get into the mind of the Jacobins. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's like, I would say it's left-wing extremism taken to its absolute extent. Or it's like, oh, you don't have ideological purity? Okay, to the guillotine with you. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> Excuse me, waiter, this regime isn't very good. <laughs> can, can I have a Bonaparte, please? <laughs> One Napoleon coming right up. <laughs> C'est très bien. <laughs> uh, uh, shall we? Yeah. Um, so we are going to uh, get back to the movie. Um, not that much longer. It's about half an hour longer. Spoiler alert, she gets burned at the stake. What? I didn't say uh, that. What? I thought Joan of Arc lived forever and became immortal. <laughs> Separately. Separately, yeah. Bye. All right, so... To record the final part, which is basically the trial and like the siege of Paris, for the most part, yeah. it's like, and then she throws an angry letter at the Dauphin, or not the Dauphin anymore. He's the King of France. You know, she she threw Charles the Seventh yeah. all of these siege letters while he was taking a bath with his hot wife and was like, "This will not stand. This aggression will not stand." To quote the Big yeah. Lebowski. Yeah. Um. She does that, and then she gets, you know, captured by the Burgundians. We all know the story. Blah, 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 blah. And then she gets put on trial. And then it really takes a fucking acid trip turn, basically. No, it does. Basically, like, the English and the Church of Burgundy are like, okay, so we're totally kind of going in to find this chick guilty. The Church is a little less about it. Like, they still want to have, like, a trial where they find her guilty of witchcraft. But she doesn't give them that. And, like, that one priest who is like, yeah, no, I don't find anything. I'm gonna report back to the Pope. And then he gets arrested. Yeah. And it's like, no, you no, this can th this cannot get out. 
Yeah. And it's like... Also, I misspoke when I said the Council of Trent. It was the uh, Council of Constance. Yeah. Was what unified the church. And hey, it's an honest mistake. Yeah. The Council of Trent was what launched the Counter-Reformation, though. Which was another important... Um, you know, event in the Catholic history. Because, <laughs> you know, without the Counter-Reformation, we wouldn't get the uh, Jesuits. Oh, oh, great. Hey, you know, I like the Jesuits as Catholics because it's like, hey, we're actually about learning and, like, doing shit. No, the, honestly, that part of it is pretty tight. Um, if you went to a Jesuit school, though, you might have a different opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I nope right out of um, Catholic universities or Jesuit universities. I was like, ah, eh, no. As a Catholic, I also did that. <laughs> I mean, you went to a fucking communist school, basically. Yeah, no, I chose to go to UC Berkeley because I'm a fucking pinko. Yeah. Like, born in, like I'm a pinko inside out, even though most of my family isn't. And it's ironic because I was born and raised in Berkeley, and yet I turned somewhat conservative. And, no, dude, we're like, we're the greatest odd couple for this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Chief, but, Chief, we have a rich backstory. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's the Ned and Robert backstory. Yeah. Except, you know, with communism and not, and, you know, anti-communism. Wait, so since I'm Robert, does that mean that I win? I hate to break it to you about your whole hunting trip, but it doesn't turn out well for you, oh, Chief. Oh, shit. Are my kids all right? You don't really have any legitimate kids. No. Um, I tried proving that to your wife, but then she had me executed. So that sounds like a thing she would do. Yeah. Um, and then there's also like Dustin Hoffman comes in as like God or the devil. Yeah. Whoever the fuck he is, I don't know what the fuck he is. No, I, I kind of I have my theory as to who he is. But it's a weird thing where it's like, as soon as she gets locked in the cell after she refuses to give honest, or she, after she refuses to disclose everything in testimony. Yeah. They lock her up, she carves a cross into the wall with her shackles, and she starts praying, and then Dustin Hoffman shows up, and she's like, you need to leave, I might have a vision at any time now, and it's like, bitch, you are already having a vision. Like. <laughs> or if I appear you, to you in this form, and it's the actual form that, like appeared to Joan and it's like oh yeah no and he like he changes his face to be like the boy king Christ like from her yeah. youth and then he also pretends to be the like, adult yeah the the regular Christ that we all know like yeah. a guy with sort of long hair and a beard who looks like he should be on a cross yeah or in a microbrewery or you know also like all Jesus is on the cross they'd be fucking yoked yeah he, he'd be doing some uh, serious workout routine right there. No, what was that comedian who was just like, uh, I want to say it's Greg Bernhardt, but he mm. was the guy who was like, you know, you ever see Jesus on the cross and it's like he had sick abs? Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, if you're an artist and you're going to make, like, an artistic representation of the Lord and Savior, yeah, why wouldn't he have abs? Yeah. He's the perfection of humanity. Yeah. Of course, when you make that into an icon, you will make him look awesome. I mean, even Greek armor in the ancient period had, they would, like, for those uh, bronze um, chest plates, they would have six pack abs on them. Yeah, no, they were they were all about that shit. Yeah, no, and it's the, this dude shows up and he changes changes form. Yeah, and just picks at her. He's like, "Oh, did you really kill because God told you to? Because I don't think God told you to." And she's like, "No, he totally told me to." What are you talking about? And then he's oh, like, yeah. "Oh, but I think that you had fun though." when you were killing people and she was just like oh my god you're right 
it was, it's like, it's like, oh God, I feel totally guilty about having fun killing people. It's the middle ages. Everyone is dying from either war or disease. Like, no, it's like, it's, it's good. The dialogue is really good and it's capturing. But the problem is when you think about the story of Joan of Arc and exactly the time in which it was happening, it's like, I, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? Like, are Oh my god, did you feel guilty because you killed someone for occupying your home? What the fuck are you talking about? No, I didn't. Do you not see the army I raised? I brought them here for this express purpose. I like, fucking liberated an entire fucking city. No, it's... I'm, I'm pretty sure, like... I And I don't think that Joan, like... Like, I mean, I know she held animosity towards the English, but I don't think that she had a joy of killing. No. No, like, I mean... Her trial conscripts, her tri- her trial transcripts, kind of contradict that. Yeah. Like everything that she says, actually, is kind of not that. Yeah. I mean, most people I would say in the Middle Ages didn't enjoy killing, but they weren't like anti-war. Where it's like, oh God, I hate killing. Blah blah blah. It's like, no, I'm defending my home and my country. So, you know, that whole anti-war stuff really didn't come about until after World War One, where it's like, oh shit, 10 million people are dead. Uh, yeah. Which also, after World War One is when she was canonized, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think she was, you were telling talking about like how she was kind of a patron saint even during World War One for the French. Oh dude, no one forgot about her. Yeah. No, the, uh, the Cross of Lorraine, which is like, it's a symbol that's highly oh, associated yeah. with her, was a symbol for French resistance for a long time. What was... Even after, even after she was canonized, that was how in World War Two. It's like in Casablanca when the guy shows you the ring. Yeah, he flips it up and there's a cross, cross of Lorraine beneath. That's like oh, that was a symbol of the French resistance. Exactly. So her her cross, the one that she bore in her standard, is actually a symbol for French resistance for hundreds of years after. So yeah. it only makes sense that in World War One people were like, well, because oh no, this bitch is a saint. We've been looking up to her for centuries. Well, because Alsace and Lorraine during world war one was already a part of the german empire so they were like mm. oh no we need to return alsace and lorraine to rightful french hands um oh and i remembered the french phrase that they actually said at uh verdun Il non passerai, pas. they shall not pass um which Gan- is, that's some gandalf shit right there <laughs> yeah i mean and they literally did not pass through verdun they but, said you shall not pass and then they did not pass and the French actually had a much better system than the Germans did. Like, they had 85 divisions coming through, but they would only fight on two-week rotations, and then they'd be rotated off the line. The Germans never rotated their divisions out. So yeah. it's like, when you have That's some tired folks. six or like eight months of constant combat as a German, it's like... Yeah, you might develop a slight amount of PTSD because of that. Oh, just a little bit? Yeah. Well, actually, even two weeks as a French soldier in Verdun, it'd be like, yeah, I have some serious PTSD. And the first day of um, Verdun, the Germans fired one million shells at Verdun. The first day. It was like... You could only imagine what a French soldier would go through, where it's like, yeah, I just got, like, a million fucking, like, explosive shells fired at me, so I'm I'm gonna I'm take, like, you know, some leave right now, okay? Yeah. Um, and you know who organized the uh, defensive Verdun? Who? Philippe Pétain. 
The guy that? who would later, later become the leader of Vichy France. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Pétain, he, it's interesting, he's kind of like the Benedict Arnold of France, or it's like, you know, Benedict Arnold, he had this whole thing where it's like, yeah, I did the whole, um, uh, you know, I did, you know, the scaling of Quebec, I already have one. Oh, tight. (laughs) Um, I did the whole, like, attempting of a uh, seizure of Quebec. I led the defense of Saratoga where I was actually shot. My horse was shot from under me. It collapsed and broke my fucking leg. Yeah. And then he was kind of sidelined actually for the, like pretty much he was sidelined for most major commands. And it was like, this is why I fucking turn code on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that actually kind of reminds me of my favorite bitch move by the American government ever where it's like, I would love to throw this amount of shade at someone in my life at some point ever because it's brilliant is in America there is only one monument to Benedict Arnold and it is a foot it's the one that he lost at Saratoga ah, yeah. no and it's like we built no we were like there is a monument to Benedict Arnold and one that we built and it was the fucking it was it's to the limb that he lost before he defected yeah. so it's like you know we really appreciate this leg yeah. It was a good leg. It served America. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh man, that's the ghost of Arnold must be just fucking seething where it's like, okay, I did like way more than that, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, the only other person that I know who was like Benedict Arnold or Philippe Pétain was um, Vidkund uh, Kvisting, who was a Norwegian who basically collaborated with the Nazis hardcore. But. They weren't able to round up the Jews because literally the king of Norway rounded up all the Jews and it's like, all right, you're, we're sending you to neutral Sweden. And it, it like out of like the thousands of Jews Norway's ha- Norway had, I think they were only able to capture like a little over a hundred and send them to the concentration camps. Oh shit. Like it was like the greatest heist of all time. That's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but Quisling, like, if you mention that name in Norway, it's basically synonymous with Benedict Arnold. Like, you betrayed your country for the Nazis. Yeah. Um, but the Norwegians actually got off pretty light because the uh, Nazis were like, hey, you have blonde hair and blue eyes, so alright, you cool with us. Although the Germans actually found out that they're more blonde eyed blonde hair blue-eyed people in Poland than in Germany. So, more blonde hair blue-eyed people in Slavs. Surprise. I, fucking surprise Pikachu. Yeah. Just what? But then they kidnapped the children and forced them into uh, German homes. Well, shit. This is why, where you get the Labans born. Oh, dude. Can we, can we go back to talking about something <laughs> less depressing, like the death of a wonderful woman who did nothing wrong in her whole life? Except kill a few English people. I mean... Isn't really that bad. God save the queen. God damn it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like, I was also like Talbot basically in this entire movie is like, I'm literally Satan right now. No, that is his whole point, which is weird because like, you know, most of, most of the English telling of this and actually most historians agree that Talbot was not this much of a dick. Yeah. 
it's French propaganda. It is. No, yeah. and it's, I mean, and here's the thing, like, it's an aesthetic thing. Yeah. The movie is the movie. Yeah. Uh, all of the villains look monstrous because all villains must look monstrous. All of our heroes look virtuous because that's how that shit go. Even the fucking Satanist in the French camp gets a fucking makeover, so he seems like a really awesome dude. Satanist lives matter. Satanist lives do matter. <laughs> I'm just I'll, glad. I'm glad someone said it. Yeah. Also, it's I love it how it's like she noticed uh, during the siege of Paris. It's like, oh, an armor, you know, an arrow pierced your pure plate armor. It's like, how? Yeah. Like an arrow would pretty much glance off at that point. No, especially that armor she was wearing because it was like given to her directly from the king. So like, it was like. She had hella horses, and that was a thing that came up in her cross-examination. Yeah. She actually got a lot of shit for working for Charles, which yeah. made, which you know, incriminated her, sure. But like, also, yeah, you're working for a dude; he's gonna help you out. Yeah, but yeah. it's like he gave I... her hella horses and you know plate mail, and the armor is fucking pierced after the first arrow. Honestly, that would not happen in the medieval era. Now, I think honestly, it's for dramatic effect. Yeah. Which, like, in, in so much of this movie, I feel and like the this for thigh would effect. not happen if it was in the armpit, the groin, or the eye, it would happen. But anywhere within the leg area, arms, neck, chest, um, would not, it would not pierce. It would not pierce at all. It would just be like, oh, glance off. Okay, cool. We're good. Like you might get a little scuffing on your armor, but that's really about it. No, it's it's your armor is gonna stay solid. Oh yeah, from that distance for sure. Plate armor, it it would stay solid until you know guns got invented, and then it's like fuck. Yeah, which is why you know body armor kind of went out of use until like you know the twenty first century because it's kind of like well, what, what do you have that bullets can't get through? It took us a minute to figure that out. <laughs> well. You know, it takes a little while to develop Kevlar armor. Yeah. Um, but... Still working with metals back then. Give us a chance to figure out plastics. Yeah. You know, wait till we discover petroleum. Yeah. Then we're good. Which we already knew about, but, like, you know, we just thought it was good for fires and shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the Napoleonic Wars, they did have metal armors. Because um, you had, in the Napoleonic armies, the Carrossier. Yeah. Well, also the Musketeers, the whole idea of it was there was a, a core where it's... They designed the armor so that if someone shot, like, a single bullet at it, it would just, like, sort of ricochet off back when bullet technology wasn't that good. Well, so it was, like, yeah. it, it was, like, peaked in the chest. So, like, if you got hit anywhere, basically, a, it was thick enough and it was pointed enough that the bullet would just, like, ricochet off it. Yeah. Um, there is actually a, a photograph where a Napoleonic Crossier, there's a cannonball hole in it. What? He took a direct hit with a cannonball. Fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, like, Did he live? No. No. Nah, it doesn't sound like he lived. But Carrossier armor was basically designed to withstand musket balls. Um, and it was actually fairly good armor for the time. Um, so yeah, basically the Carrossiers in Napoleonic era were basically like the Napoleonic knights. Like they had breast and back, back plate, which is the cross, um, and then they have long straight swords, which they basically point out and just use as lances. Long, um, heavy leather boots and big, heavy horses. 
So if you saw the Karasie charging at you, shit was fucked, yo. There was there was a multi-level system within the Napoleonic cavalry. So you had like the Hussars, Lancers, the Dragoons, the Chasseurs, and the Karasiers. Um Hussars, of course, we all know of, of like, you know, the light cavalrymen who would do the scouting and The Hussars we all know and love. You know, not the Polish winged Hussars who saved Vienna from the Ottomans. From the infidels. Deus Vault. Um and then you know, you have dragoons, which were basically like mounted riflemen. Like they would ride into battle and then when the battle began they would dismount and fight on foot with like, you know, muskets or something like that. Chasseurs, which comes from the French word chasse, which comes from the French word which means hunter, um, were basically kind of more of the same, but they were more mounted than the dragoons. And then the cuirassier was basically like, we're the armored fists of Napoleon, <laughs> and they would ride like. No, uh, they would be ankle. If, Nap- if Napoleon was Sauron, these are the ring. These are the Nazgul. Basically, and they would ride. They would charge in long lines. Um, ankle to ankle when they were mounted and it would just be a lot it's like the charge of the Rohirrim basically from Return of the King and right. it would basically be like we either have to form square or we're all gonna die and it was absolutely terrifying like if you ever saw the Carassier coming it's like particularly if you're if it's the Carassier of the Imperial Guard is it this is a random thing I would actually love to know what like the influence of Joan of Arc was for the Napoleonic army. Like, I wonder if she was still kind of a deal in France at that time, or if she was kind of a lesser hero. Or if she was more of a hero, because they were fighting the English again. I don't know of anything That's in my of, research. No, I'll have to look it up, too, because it's like, I've never, I don't know if anyone's ever really thought about that. Like I've never, yeah, I've never, you know, I've studied it, but... I don't know of anything. I mean, I know in um, when we were doing Enemy at the Gates, um, Stalin brought back a lot of the old um, Russian Orthodox religious figures because it's a super nationalistic thing where it's like, yeah. hey, we're gonna you know fight for Alexander no, Nevsky or you know. When we go to Tati or Tatiana's apartment or the, was it the family that yeah. Vasily stays with, where it's yeah. like they've got icons everywhere, where it's like. Wow, this is like a chiller Soviet Union that happened earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, most of the churches were still destroyed because, yeah. you know, Soviet Union. Yay! That's just how that went. <laughs> Yay, because, you know, this is why Edmund Burke was right. <laughs> oh, like, God, not again. This is why Edmund Burke was right, because he's like, hey, you don't destroy, like, you know, the churches and all the foundations of people's, you know, beliefs. When you do a revolution. Hey. In the words of William S. Burroughs, uh, kill the priest, burn the... Uh, kill the priest, burn the books. It sounds like something Hitler would say. No, no. It's more like something Gilles de Ray would say. No, he said kill the children, burn the books. You're right. Uh, am I the first person in <laughs> history to say that? Oh, no, wait, William S. Burroughs was. Just... <laughs> But no, uh, no, it's uh, our own personal differences aside. But um, yeah, I mean the trial is very weird. Like the whole like the bishop who was like kind of on her side, 
Mm. I think we saw him at the beginning of the movie, yeah. too. Which is actually, and this is a thing from not only the Theodore Dreyer movie that happened earlier, but also the trial transcripts. There were, I think, two two bishops or high-ranking clergymen who oh, yeah. actually excused themselves from the case because they're like, no pun intended, this is a witch hunt. Yeah. You're looking for a reason to find this woman guilty, and she's done nothing but be holy at us, and I don't know how to answer this. And everyone else is like, that's cool, we'll just try to fucking kill her anyways. Yeah. I mean, it's like, the Bishop was like, trying to be a bro? He's like, I'm trying to be as much of a bro as I can within legal confines of what I have, yeah. but... And then legal confines sort of slap him in the ass, because as soon as he tries to leave and tell Rome what's happening, he gets arrested. So there's, there's yeah. an idea that whatever's happening in this trial is only happening in Normandy. Yeah. Like, there's not, there's no, there's no influence in the, with the Pope. Yeah. So, like, you know, and that's also a thing that's fucked up. I'm sure the Pope would be like... No, it gives the Pope a fucking free ride on this, whoever he was, where it's like, oh, the Pope just never knew. Also, this was, like, literally, like, I think, like, four years after the two Popes were dissolved. So, it's like, oh. So, new Pope might have just been like, what the fuck are you talking about? Some woman's on trial in Normandy. I'm the first only Pope. (laughs) In, like, a hundred years? It's taken a minute. I'm trying to solidify some shit. <laughs> Alright, Rome. We cool? We cool. Avignon, you are no longer the fucking papacy. Okay, I can't deal with this fucking, like, trial in Normandy, whatever the fuck this is. No, nah, it's, in real talk, a saint died. Like, yeah. a saint was fucking murdered and the church was involved because there was, like... I would love to say that there's not enough involvement, but there's also a weird part of me that thinks about this in, in terms of stories, where it's like the way that stories repeat, where it's when Joan goes on trial, it's actually just Jesus arguing with the Sanhedrin yeah. again, where it's like, no, no, you have to tell this story about this perfect person who is surrounded by a bunch of the highest holy people who don't believe them and sentence them to death. So it's like, and we have trial transcripts where it's like, that actually kind of happened. But also PR-wise, it's really easy to recast it, where it's like, oh no, Joan was like meant to die. Yeah. And the movie tries to do that too, where it's like, her visions desert her. Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, I don't ever remember that being a thing. I mean, the drug history thing that we saw, they kind of do also. Yeah. Like, I think that's like, they kind of do, historically, where it's like, oh fuck, you know. Michael, where the fuck you at? Catherine, where the fuck you at? Margaret, where the fuck you at? <laughs> and it's like, the number you have currently dialed has been disconnected or is no longer in use. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God damn it. <laughs> I can't remember if it was a, a Simpsons episode or like, it, it was definitely a cartoon, but it was like, uh, Joan's on trial and it's like, why did you invade France? And it's like, because God told me to. I called God to the stand and then suddenly there's just like a light shining on the thing. It's like, God, did you tell this woman to invade France? Oh shit, I gotta go. <laughs> like, did you tell her to kick the English out? Nah, I'm... What? Oh, that's weird. That's so crazy. There was an English person walked in. God told me to liberate France from the French. And he's like, I'm super out of here. <laughs> I think that was actually a Simpsons episode. Yeah, right? Or like, maybe a Family Guy aside. It was something. Yeah, I think it was actually Simpsons. No, but it, yeah, no, but that's that deal where it's just like, what? And she's right. Like, there was that moment where she, like, broke down Ed Dustin Hoffman and she was like, 
why does God let bad things happen to good people? And it's like, it's a it's a question that's so simple, no one can answer it. <laughs> Read the book of Job, maybe? Yeah, no, and that, that doesn't even help, because that's yeah. just like, bad shit's gonna happen to you. Nah. Well, it's also like, the book of Job is literally like, Job is like, why the fuck does all this bad, why the fuck do all these bad things happen to me? And God is like, do you really fucking want to go? Like, I know literally everything. Hush now, foolish child. I can show you the behemoth and the leviathan, which is the first time either of those things have shown up in literature. <laughs> and I saw a cra- and I saw a beast rise out from the sea, and among- amongst his head was were uh, ten horns, and amongst his horns were ten crowns, and amongst him was the number 666. Oh, that's from Revelations, though. That's not Behemoth or Leviathan. Come on, dude. It is the beast, though. It's the beast, but that's like a different beast. Although, he is Also, fall- there's the five-headed whore of Babylon. There's a lot of great beasts in the Bible. Uh, but, although, he is followed by the um, Leviathan from the sea. In the book of Revelation. So, yes, he is. I had, to, I had to... I literally wrote a paper on the book of... On interpretations of the book of Revelation. Which is literally my favorite book of the Bible because it's like, how high on acid were you? No, it's uh, no, it's literally like there, there are two of my favorite, or I have three favorite books of the Bible for sure. Mm. Um, like all of them are, like most of them are cool with me. Like yeah. some of them, it's like, what, what the hell is this? I don't care. <laughs> um, but no, the best ones, Ezekiel. Oh God, that's it acid trip as well no it's like ezekiel and revelations are like fucking brothers where it's like oh my god did you drop acid and see some bullshit and it's like yeah i fucking did basically There's, no it's like it's it's fucking those two uh and it's daniel uh, because yeah. daniel also has some of that shit where it's, it's some, just like yeah. some crazy shit happens in daniel but daniel's there to be like well yo this is what it's about yeah ezekiel is like i saw a fucking chariot full of like spinning wheels and it's like you okay buddy you want some water no this is the thing that i love about that is that ezekiel wrote that and then a couple like a a couple thousand years later someone wrote a book about how he was the first person to see aliens yeah like ancient aliens this hella sounds like a flying saucer and it's like i don't know maybe that or maybe god's just fucking unknowable (laughs) what do do you want to send down to him god uh, let's f- fucking send you a spinning wheel down to him in the middle of fucking sky. That sound cool with you, Gabriel? Or Michael? Yeah, that's uh, that seems like a pretty good way to fuck with him. <laughs> yep. No, and then actually one of the things that's great about this is like all of these three things that we brought up are about visions. Yeah. And it's like, and this is the thing where it's, this is what Joan's life was. It was a reaction to these visions. Yeah. But, moral of the story, don't stick your d- dick in Joan of Arc. No, she won't li- she'll probably have cut your dick off yeah. before that point ever happens. If, yeah. you were, if you were planning it, she already did it. So. Yeah. And also, never ghost Joan of Arc. No. Also, was it, I, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about this, and I don't know if it's going to stay in, but some goddamn explanations as to what the hell was going on with Joan of Arc. She be cray. No, she totally be cray. But it's yeah. like no, I I do like I like the holy interpretation yeah. for sure. But also, I understand that PR works in a certain way where it's yeah. like you can make someone look a certain way after they they've died. Yeah. And then after five hundred years of them becoming a cult of personality, 
you can canonize them as saints. Yeah. I understand this. My One of my favorite writers, William Shakespeare, wrote a play where she is the literal villain. Yeah. Which also makes sense. Yeah. I mean, from an English perspective, it makes sense to cast her as, as the villain. Yeah. Because, you know, she is the Witch of Orléans. Yeah, no, and I'm positive, like, was it, the fucking, all, I'm positive all of the English people who are trying to hold the Tyrell, yeah. and in the circumstances that we talked about earlier, where it's like, this isn't weird, some of our families live here, Yeah, our king kind of owns here, our, our king's dad married the princess of here, Yeah, like, we are, we live here, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then there's this, like, this lady shows up and is like, God told me to kick you out. Hey. So you're invading our territory? Yeah. No, and it's like, yeah, it's this really weird moment where it's just like all of France and England is not sure who they are. Because it's also weird where it's like England's going through that period where it's like, oh, we're going to um, shift away from French as the court language and move towards English. Because this is around the time of, you know, Geoffrey Chaucer and, you know, Middle English is coming into being. Yeah. No, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight was written way before this. Yeah. English was a language. English was very much. But it's becoming a court language now. Yeah. Now the now the fancy people speak it. Yeah. Instead of French, so. Um. And yeah, it's like France is starting to become a nation, also, because up until this point, it was mainly you know, okay, yeah, you have your king, but the most powerful people are like the dukes, the counts, um, the lords. Well, no, you remember from, like, uh, hate to bring it up again, The Lion in Winter, where yeah. Eleanor of Aquitaine, she, beque- she bequeaths, while she's still alive, the Aquitaine to Richard. Yeah. And there's no way that Richard, or there's no way that Henry can secure the throne of England for who he chooses if Richard doesn't agree, because Richard has the Aquitaine, which is where Eleanor launched her last rebellion from. So there's this thing where it's like, yeah... We're French, but, like, not your French. We're a different person's French. And, like, and just meanwhile, like, you know, Philippe is kind of like, hey, that's kind of a part of my territory. And and <laughs> Henry's like, quiet the fuck down, the adults are talking. <laughs> oh. Sad French noises. <laughs> Sad French noises. <laughs> Basically the history of Fran- France post-1940. Yeah. Sad French noises. <laughs> But no, it's I've heard some very interesting theories about Joan of Arc. Yeah, the primary of which, she was schizophrenic. It definitely comes across in this movie. I feel like that's kind of where they lean the most. Like, yeah. there's kind of an equal split between she's actually talking to God and probably schizophrenic. Yeah, um, definitely schizophrenic. Um, definitely not gender dysphoric though i definitely would not say that no that's kind of a that's a more bold choice that like some people talk about where it's like i've actually read shit about joan of arc being asexual gender dysphoric where it's like she's you know there's an aspect of her that is a trans man because it's you know and this is a thing that gets brought up where it's like yeah you should you know in the movie she gets her ass kicked and then her clothes ripped off like she's gonna get raped and then they throw dudes clothes at her and they're like fine if you want to be dressed put them on so when they catch her in men's clothes they're like oh we can execute you because you're cross-dressing again even though in the movie it's clearly not her choice but this actually happened in life where they showed up and she was wearing dude's clothes again and it's like 
why would you do this? And it's like, maybe she wanted to wear the clothes she wanted to wear, and she didn't want you to tell her what to wear. Like, but I don't think like, the whole asexual thing, it's kind of like, uh, like, she might have just been like, you know, it's kind we, of... Yeah, no, we also don't know if she had a boyfriend or not, yeah. which, you know, Catholicism-wise, I'm inclined to believe that she was a saint and, of course, never converted with a member of the opposite or same sex, but real talk, I don't give a shit if she did. I mean, it's also like, you know, like, you know, it's like, if someone was like, hey, I just want to, like, follow God and all this, like, in the Middle Ages, people would be like, okay, you do you, girl. Yeah. Like, most people in the Middle Ages would not give a shit if, like, you wanted to, like, just follow, you know, God and, like, not be married or whatever. It's like, okay, like, we're totally cool with that. Like, you want to be a person of God? Cool. Fucking tight. Yeah. You, you do you. Like, they would not care if, like, you know, they want to put the label of asexual on you. It's like... No, nah. and, and here's the thing. We were talking about that with, like, uh, Alexander the Great, where it's yeah. like, why are you saying bisexual at me? I don't know what that means. Yeah. Joan of Arc would not have known what that means. She would just have been chaste. Yeah. Or celibate. Or that really... Chaste uh, would actually be the the better term for... No, and they, they actually did the thing where they, they examined her and they yeah. found that she was, air quotes, intact. Yeah. Which I fucking hate that word. Well, the hymen was intact. Yeah, which also doesn't mean shit, because you can lose your hymen in a whole variety of ways that aren't fucking, and some people keep their hymen after fucking. It's, like, not exactly the best way to tell if someone's a virgin, but I actually do believe that Joan of Arc didn't have sex, and when she was examined, I... Yeah, that that makes Neither sense. Neither do I, actually. I'm she like, doesn't sound like she's into it. She sounds like she's more into liberating France. And killing the English. Yeah, no, that's... And also, fucking, you got your project, girl. Go on it. Like... <laughs> you do you, girl. No, it's like, it's like, do you want to... Girl, you want to hook him? It's like, I'd rather kick the English out of France. That is equally a good thing to say. It's like, you know, you be on your nine to five... I am, you know, doing my entrepreneur shit and slaying the English every day. I am on my English killing grind every day. Yeah. No, and also that's another thing that, like, I really like that got brought up in the drunk history where it's yeah. like, you know, when she's about to go off to Charles of Valois, it's like, uh, cut my hair and dress me in boys' clothes so I don't get raped? Yeah. Which, yeah, actually, it, it's really sad that, like, that was really funny but it's also funny because it was fucking true. Yeah. Because, yeah, she's about to lead an army of men. Also horny soldiers who have been away from their home for months. So the most, and so it's like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to take myself off the table as like a feminine option, but also at the same time, they brought this up where it's like, you fought with them in their clothes and you cut your hair like them. And un, so we could not distinguish you. And it's like, isn't that a female soldier? Yeah. Doesn't a female soldier already not want to be distinguished from her male counterparts just because of her gender? Although, actually, in the modern-day military, women can actually grow their hair long. Which is tight, but does everyone still get a shaved head at boot camp? Not women, actually. Really? Yeah. Only the men get the shaved head. Oh, that's weird. I feel it, like everyone should get it. Because, uh um, Demi Moore rocked it. Um... Because, uh... I have a shaved head, I always feel like more people should shave their but, head. But, uh, women put their hair into buns in, uh, mil- the military. Yeah. Uh, only the men get the shaved heads. You know, I, my hair's, you know, it's a little long for the military. You know, it's been about three weeks since my last haircut, but... Come 
a week from now, it'll be, like, super shaved, basically. Like, super buzzed. You've seen it before, where it's, like, super buzzed, very tight, and it's just like, meh. So we're about to go, are we about to go back to a shorter cut? Yeah, yeah. And, like, a week or so. Because it's also way too fucking hot to have hair this long. It's about to get cooler. I mean, still, though. Also, it's very easy to maintain. I have very wavy hair as a person, so it's like, when I get my hair shorter, it's like, okay, I can actually maintain it. Thank God. Dude, I grew this shit out. I look like fucking Farrah Fawcett. I can't. (laughs) Like, I have to, I shave my head constantly because I'm like, I don't want to deal with what this thing does in the morning when it's over three inches long. Yeah. I mean, right now, I'm definitely not within regs for the United States military. Army, I'm about a week past due for a haircut. Marines, I'm about a two weeks due from a haircut. <laughs> Marines, you have to cut your hair every week. Oh, God damn. That's so many haircuts. Yeah. And Army, it's about every two weeks. And pretty much every other branch besides the Marines. You know, actually, random thing. I just talk shit about the Marines, and I can't really because I cut my hair every week. At least once a week, I run the buzzer through. So, as lazy of a piece of shit that I am, I get as many haircuts as a Marine. I mean, I clip my beard as many times as a Marine gets a haircut. But, I can't really talk shit because... Beards are not in regulation in the United States military. Tight, they shouldn't be. Beards are wonderful. I don't know if you realize this is a podcast brought to you by two bearded men. Yeah. Um, although, you can't have religious exceptions for a beard within the United States military. Yeah? If you are an Orthodox Jew. Naturally. Particularly a rabbi. Only if you're a rabbi. And also if you're a Sikh. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, because Seek, you can't cut that. You can't cut that hair. No. Um, but other than that, I don't think, yeah, you have to. Oh, also, you can get a no-shave profile if you get a uh, razor burn if you shave, which is mainly applied to black soldiers. I want to say, yeah, black soldiers because they get, like, bumps if they shave. So they can usually mm-hmm. go about yeah, three or four days without shaving. But after that, it's kind of like, uh, okay, you kind of need to shave. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, after watching this movie and knowing your opinion about Joan of Arc going into it, has it changed? She's still the Witch of Orleans. Still? Yeah. Still. You're you're still on that tip where it's just like, nah, she's still the devil. Yeah. I mean, not the devil, but it's like, She's a fucking crazy bitch who, you know, yes, she did perform some, you know, she did lead the French to victory, but it's kind of like, she was still a fucking crazy bitch. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. But, you know, it takes a crazy bitch to get things done sometime. And one of the things I find funny about this is we we watched this movie and we both came away feeling the same way we did before. I still think Joan of Arc is a saint and you still think she is a witch. I mean... Not like a witch witch, and not like a saint saint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, I, I get it. Henry V did it better. Oh, dude. Henry V, I can't wait till we get to that movie. Yeah. 
That's another thing that's weird about this, where it's like, I I love Joan of Arc so much, but I love Henry V so much. It's easy to be removed from this history and talk about it this way. We few, we happy few, we, we band, band of bro. brothers. For he sh who shall die with me today shall be my brother. We're going to watch this fucking war movie about Henry V, and he already gave us the title of the other war movie we're going to watch yeah. later. Like, um, For he who shall die with me today shall be my brother, and all those who who shall not be here today shall feel themselves accursed um, on this field uh, on this St. Crispin's Day. Oh, God. One of the best lines ever in Shakespeare. Yeah. You know. I still like the first part of it. Do you remember how that play begins? I don't. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, so. Just the chorus walks out. Yeah. Oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention. A kingdom for a stage, princes to act, and monarchs to behold the swelling scene. There's just this shit where it's like... Uh... Well, and then it's also the Blade Runner thing for Henry V. The candle that burns twice as bright ha lasts half as long. Dude, no. And it's like, it's a thing that's weird. Both, like, from the play and kind of historically, Henry V was like, you did what and then you died? How? <laughs> it's like also like Alexander the Great. Frederick the Great actually lasted pretty long no there it, it's not unusual for a great ruler to last long yeah it's kind of or, or even a conqueror because alexander the great started a very long conquest he died before it was over but yeah it went on for a while and it spanned a lot that's like i basically conquered the known world okay i guess i'll die and and henry v conquered half of france and was like meh <laughs> All right, we're going to leave your infant, re uh, you know, mentally retarded son basically in charge here. Yeah. And it's like, also you were talking about, it's like, we're going to leave more capable people than Henry VI in charge of this. It's like, that's a pretty low fucking bar to set. It's so low that as soon as it happened, the two fighting popes and <laughs> the shitty Dauphin and every asshole in France <laughs> who wasn't an illiterate peasant girl yeah. stood in her way. Like... Yeah. yeah, I mean it's like, it's like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna elect someone more capable than the king to be the generals in France. It's like, you could elect a fucking poop filled pants five year old, and he would be a more capable general than Henry the Sixth. Yeah. Oh my God, I would be a more capable general than Henry the Sixth, and I'm me. <laughs> I mean, oh God, imagine putting me into the care of the english oh fuck you i'm terrified as soon as you <laughs> enter the care of the english the entire history of the world's gonna change <laughs> all of france is england now <laughs> burgundy has released you and you've teamed up with the french what about joan of arc though and you're like oh don't worry about it she's kind of crazy <laughs> by the way this is where the french are yeah and then it's like all right we got the burgundians and then I would make a secret alliance with the Holy Roman Empire and be like, all right, invade France as well. That's actually, like, it's really weirdly kind of a Constantine grift, if you know comics. Do you know Constantine? I've seen the movie, actually. He's a great dude, right? Oh, my. Also, Keanu Reeves basically plays Constantine. And Keanu Reeves, you're yeah. amazing. No, you're amazing. 
No, he's amazing. Yeah. And but here's the thing that's awesome is like Constantine, he he died once. And it's like you saw yeah. like a version of this at the yeah. end where it's like the devil let him go. Yeah. But in the comic books when he did it, it's because he sold his soul to three different devils. Cause hell's So a, what the fuck? Is yeah. that like the fucking papacy no, over here? No, hell's a fucking triumvirate. So there's like Lucifer, there's Beelzebub, and, and there's Satan. Yeah, no, yeah, there's like these three fucking devils, and he's like he sells his soul to each of them and they're like, Yeah, I finally got you, and he's like well, which one of you get me? And they all look at each other. They're like, fuck! <laughs> Fine. You get to live again. And then we decide later. And then he dies again. And it's like, shit, we haven't worked out the contract yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. In terms of that, it's just like, what's your strategy for France, Will? More longbow. <laughs> fucking tight <laughs> yeah also can we invest in some cannons also so the french don't get ahead of us and oh yeah no we should totally have more cannons <laughs> i don't know how we got on with cannons at w- before this but also there was like the scene where it's like the hello on the trebuchet zone <laughs> that was so awesome <laughs> no the, there was in it started too like so innocently where it's like that guy turned around from uh dunois and he's like i'm going to send a message to the to the english Bonjour. Then, yeah, the message is hello. <laughs> Bonjour, Monsieur Anglais. Parlez-vous français? Oui. Oh, well. Oui. Je suis parlant français. It's like, fuck, right, you're from France as well. Who from the English camp is not from France? Don't pas? <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, the whole movie, it's basically like, as you said in the historical intro, I did not do the Hundred Years War justice. It's that's such a clusterfuck of. No, I I love that we started that where it's like do it in the hundred and forty characters three hours later. You can't, you can't do it easy. Oh, God. It's the Hundred Years War. It's a it's, war that went on over a hundred years. It's so complicated. Well, actually, what made it more complicated was Edward the Third's mother was the sister of King, of the King of France. So it's like, oh lord, and it's and then it's like, well, also we have Duke William of Normandy as well. So it's like, uh, yeah, can you like not for five fucking seconds? Now, now all of a sudden it makes more sense that like a peasant girl is just like, I'm here to shut this shit down. <laughs> you royals have been fighting too long over some fucking <laughs> bullshit. It's just like, you know, the Key and Peele sketch. It's just like, you done messed up, A.A. Ron. Yep. Uh, yeah. And thankfully, you know, after General Bark was burned, the war would only go on for eh, 22 more years. Oh, thank her. 22 more years. Now we're not quite done yet. Although it was mainly minor skirmishing, but... Also, I love how wrong Charles VII was. Yeah. It's like, oh no, now is the time for diplomacy. Really? Because you're gonna die before this fucking war ends. Time for diplomacy, you fucking idiot. John Malkovich? I'm sorry, you're an amazing actor. I didn't mean to speak mean to you. But Charles VII? What the fuck? Also, use a bitch, Charles VII. He really was. Didn't lead his army from the front. No, no good bitch. He, he asked a lady to win his battle for him. And then when she did, he's like, 
Oh, but you're too strong. Honestly, now. why didn't the English, well, honestly why didn't the English capitalize on that? I don't know, man. I think probably because they were still in. This is a thing that's a line in the movie that I actually really enjoy. Is when Charles was about to get crowned at Reims. Yeah. And they, he was like, "Oh, this crown, it just won't do. It's not regal enough." And they're like, "The English have the real one." <laughs> Fucking lol. Like, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, it's. It, you, he not only is he still poor, but yeah, he actually doesn't have the legitimate crown of throne that the legitimate throne of France that was taken. Yeah. So like, there's this thing where it's like, nah, I get it. You're like the insecure dude. Yeah. Like you, every time, if a thing goes good for you, you have to overthink it and then back up on it. Yeah. Just like you overthought the fact that a random peasant girl walked into your fucking court and recognized you. <laughs> like that was a fucking miracle. But yeah, uh, tune in next time, though, for Henry V, though, which will be the opposite perspective of the Hundred Years' War. Yeah, and yeah, no, seriously, get get ready to watch me pull a John Kerry on this shit, because I'm about to flip-flop, because I love Henry V, and I love the English of that story. <laughs> I mean, I didn't flip-flop, because, you know, I support our English troops, so... Oh, then you should run for president. I'm not gonna. Sorry. Well, actually... English should be prime minister, so. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Oh, that's right. Is... You're a half citizen. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, tune in next time for another episode of Booze and Bullets. Um, we will see you next time. This is Bryce Skidmore and Daddy Patty signing off.